Hello, everyone. It is September the 16th of 2020, and I'm Nick, and that is Chris, and there is manga to mm-hmm. talk about today, as there is every day, really, because... Every day is the day not, to talk about manga. It's not... It's not my, my day is not complete without manga, Chris. Yeah. So... Even the days where I sit there and I say to myself, man, I wish I didn't have to read this piece of shit for Statistic <laughs> September, and I had to power my way through another garbage volume of nothing... But still, it's manga in my day, and it enriches my life in a way, you know? So I need to pick up the pace on that myself. <laughs> We've got plenty of time. we got like three weeks left to September, right? Well, two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and there's, uh, there's uh, something something special that uh, we're going to have to announce for next week, but uh, we'll get to that when the time comes. Yeah. So, But now we just have manga to talk about. That's it. It's the only thing to talk yeah. about. Yeah. And we're, Which, and, at the same time, that's nothing special, and it's very special. Yeah, so it really is. Fart sound effect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, nailed it. Cool. <laughs> this is the witty content that people come for. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one can provide insights on the week's manga like weekly manga recap. <laughs> like fart, fart sound effect. <laughs> I've got two degrees. I, it, <laughs> <laughs> Why do you lower yourself to being around me? (laughs) (laughs) No, while you're in there taking these tests for these degrees, I'm just at home going like... (laughs) Thank God I didn't actually have to technically take any degree tests. I mean, I'm going to have to eventually if I want to become a CPA, but no, I literally, I mean, my most recent degree, literally when it was time for me to get it, I was like, oh, I'm done. Cool. And then they mailed it to me. I was like, awesome. It's a pretty sweet way to go about it. All right. Um, Speaking of, I don't know, passing tests and not, I don't know. So let's just do it. That's a nice transition to go into Kaiju number eight, because that's what happens uh-huh. in this in uh-huh. this chapter for this week of our Monster Fighting Squad series. So, uh, yeah, we don't have My Hero Academia to talk about this week. Nope. Uh, it's just off this week. So we're going to uh, talk about Kaiju number eight before we resort to looking at our phones for... Uh, I I actually was able to get it on the website this time. You were. Crunchyroll worked for me. Now, that was an hour ago. Who knows what's happened since then? I I just find it easier and more consistent to just put it up on my phone because I don't have to. It's just less trouble at this point anyway. But here's the thing. So I have an iPhone and every aspect of Crunchyroll seems to be bad. So their, their app will develop an error for me every couple months. That won't resolve until I just uninstall the app and reinstall it. And I'm like, I don't use you at all. So basically, it just happens to be every time I need to use the app, I need to uninstall it and reinstall it. And I'm like, why are you here? Why are you on my phone to begin with at this point? Yeah, I find that all of Crunchyroll services have a really weird problem with the logging you out. Mm. Like, because like we use the PS4 to watch anime on it. Uh, and literally every time I open up, the PS4 app for Crunchyroll, it will act as if I'm not logged in 
until I go to start logging in. And when I'm midway through typing in all the credentials, it's like, oh, you're logged in. <laughs> so I, I don't uh, like it's not even a matter of like if I just, you know, go around the screen for a little bit, eventually. Okay, you know, it has to be like waiting for me to type in all the information before. The, oh, you're fine. So like joy, fun. Cool. Like I just got to like I, I just got to like bluff it. It's like, oh, OK. <laughs> <laughs> Kaiju number eight, chapter 10. So we begin with uh, a recap because it literally just last time on Kaiju number eight. <laughs> it really is. It's like the brave young Kafka managed to save everybody, but things were still in a sticky wicket. You're just like, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> these were like I, chapter nine. I guess chapter nine might have been an end of volume chapter. Maybe that's why. But like, I think it might or just for the sake of the joke that they make here. It might be. Because, um, you know, it's this thing that, you know, just recaps the conversation that Kafka and Ichikawa had before Mina uh, interrupted. Or is it Mira or Mina? I, I don't. Uh, Captain Girl. Uh, Mina. I think. Ashiro. So uh, that's going to be. If it is Mina, that's going to be very confusing whenever we go from My Hero Academia to this series. If there's a Mina Ashiro in one and a Mina Ashiro in the other. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. She says her name in this chapter. Says Ashiro, I see. Yeah, he says, yeah, it's Mina. It's Mina. He says Mina. It is Mina. So there is there is literally a Mina Ashiro and a Mina Ashiro in these two. If it, that's if it helps, Nick, one is definitely not going to be important in the grand scheme of the series. I mean, you say one, and that's not a hard one, because it could increase to two. So. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Both series could abandon their strong female sweet soccer. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> Last time we had the conversation between uh, Kafka and Ichikawa, and Kafka seemed, you know, he was confident. He felt like he could, you know... He, and each guy was like, you know, after watching him beat the odds, I could tell he'd grown more determined and confident. And it cuts to the present after that conversation. And Kafe just like, oh, no, because he's really, really, really scared that he's failed the exam. And he's very nervous as they're awaiting the uh, results that they're going to get. And uh, they arrive. Someone drops them off for for them. And uh they, they just kind of have a moment briefly where they're looking down at the envelopes and Kafka's like, okay, this is my last chance, my last chance to, you know, be by her side. It all rides on this. And they take the results out and then we cut away. And I do, I mean, it's only a few pages, but they really do make you go, oh, did Kafka pass? Did, did, did he pass? Because they, they, they very, like, care, carefully, like, you know, you don't get a good look of who's in the crowd of people who graduated. And then you've got and you've just got to kind of wait for it for a little bit. Uh, of course, we see that uh, Kikoru did pass. She got the highest marks. No surprise there. There's a little moment where uh, Ash Ashiro. God, I'm going to it's going to trip me up so many times. Just call her so, Mina. That way it's the same know, name. Mina says uh, to her, hey, you know, you did a great job after the exam. Thanks to you, there were no fatalities. 
but Hikaru doesn't seem very happy about this because she's thinking, I mean, it's because of Kafka that that happened. So why aren't you here, Kafka? She's looking out of the crowd of graduates. And yeah, Ichika was there. Uh, so and Kafka isn't. Um, so she's like, this is an insult and I need answers about that kaiju form. I can't just let you get out of my sight. And then Kafka very awkwardly comes into the room. I don't know if there is a single way that he could have possibly more awkwardly disrupted this graduation ceremony. Because I, sorry, and he like awkwardly steps in. And we get uh, a flashback explaining exactly what's going on with him and why he's here. Because he failed. Basically. Uh, we see that, uh, you know, all the proctors and everything have gathered together to discuss the results. They're like, yeah, he came in dead last in the physicals. He had zero in suit aptitude. I think that this is an open and shut case. And so someone's like, I assume there are no objections, Captain. And Mina looks, you know, she hesitates for a moment, but she starts to say, you know, no, no objections. But then <laughs> this fucking guy. So. Hoshina, the vice captain, the guy who took a liking to Kafka, who thought he was really funny, is like, hey, well, allow me. Uh, he did have subpar grades. He failed to meet the bar, but he did shine during field combat. And also, he made for excellent comic relief. And I knew this is the reason you were up for that. This is the only reason why is because you get a laugh out of him. But Hoshina says, tell you what, he might not ever be promoted to general officer, but... I'll retrain him as a as a cadet in my platoon. And so that's why Kafka was not present for the big congratulation ceremony. But he is present now is that he's been enrolled as a cadet. So it's kind of one of those have your cake and eat it two moments as a writer where he had this big break or, you know, break or make uh, moment. And he did neither. Um He's closer than he was before. It is a step forward, mm -hmm. but still, he hasn't achieved his goal yet because you don't want him to achieve his goal immediately. Just yet. So, Mira's like, yeah. So that's why he wasn't allowed to, you know, sit with you, all of you who have actually graduated the officer's exam. Kikaru is pleased to see that Kafka is at least there. We do get to see a few other uh, of the graduating candidates kind of react, which indicates like, OK, we'll probably be seeing these guys at some point in the future. We'll see how much focus they actually get. Uh, Mina uh, ha has a little speech prepared for people, says like, hey, kaijus are getting stronger and neutralizing uh, kaiju is a very dangerous job. Some of you may not make it back from your very first mission alive. None of your lives are guaranteed. Nonetheless, I ask that you lend me your lives and I will act as your shield and spear against our threats. So cool. Little like, Hey, I need you to put your life on the line and I'll do my, my best to make sure that, you know, we all get through this. Okay. And then Kafka <laughs> decides now is the time to speak to her. He said he was going to do it when he became an officer. Well, close enough, <laughs> I guess. He's like, I'm in the room. <laughs> that counts. It was more of a proximity based thing than a, like a title based thing. So, so he just is like, Mina, soon enough, I'm coming to stand by your side. And everyone around him is just like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? <laughs> You're going to get in trouble. 
And he's, of course, also nobody knows that, you know, he and Mina go way back. So they're like, what the fuck is he doing calling her by her first name without her rank? Jesus. And so but Mina is kind of actually thrown off a little bit. So she's like, cadet Kafka Hibino. Uh, Yeah. hundred pushups for your <laughs> for that kind of conduct. And Kafka goes, I didn't mean to say that. Alone. So. I guess he wasn't actually compromising on his vow last time. It's just that he's such an idiot that he couldn't contain himself. He held it together as long as he could, and it slipped out, you know? We all have those moments. Have you ever, in your life, said something out loud that you meant to keep in your mind? Like, 100%, you're like, I meant to keep that inside, but I said it out loud? There may have been times when I've, like, just kind of, like, let myself work my work something out verbally mm. um and some parts of it afterward maybe i would be like i wish that i hadn't said all of that out loud mm. but def- definitely nothing ever like you know the the simpsons moment where homer is having the you know internal dialogue external dialogue yeah. and then he mixes the two up it's like, no that has never happened to me so <laughs> i guess that the closest thing i could think of is like if you, if you have just like a gut reaction to something you know, I think that in class, I may uh, a few times in high school, I might have sworn in surprise over something and they'd be like, oh, sorry, <laughs> but that's about holy it. shit, a pencil sharpener. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, you're like the teacher was like, no, Nick, El Sacapunta. So you're like, shouldn't it be lost? You're like, shut the fuck up. Sit down. <laughs> no, it's one of the exceptions. Memorize all of them. <laughs> I don't want to. Oh, these suck. I hate you forever, Sakapuntas. <laughs> that just sounds like projection. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> Hoshina, of course, is very is very pleased with this. Like, ah, ha, ha, my investment has paid off immediately. He made a fool of himself. Uh, but he's like, hey, aren't, Ashi, aren't you kind of like going a little easy? I'm just, I'm presumably like, you know, just making him do the push-ups. But as she leaves the room and passes by him, uh, she's making kind of like a very, you know, kudere smirk, you know, like very, uh, she's still very yeah. contained and reserved, but she d- does have a little bit of a, of a, a little of, bit. A, of a tick. It's a little like, bit of a curl. Yeah. She's happy that Kafka is there and being himself. And Hoshina's like, did she just crack a smile? So, um, so the same proctor from before who was like, oh, why are you so obsessed with this guy just because he's funny? It's like, oh, yeah, great. He, you know, he's, he's being the class clown, huh? And, and Oshina's like, yeah, it's paying off perfectly. And then he thinks to himself, that's the idea. The part I'll say out loud, at least, as he watches Kafka doing push-ups. He's like, you know, we got that really powerful rate, uh, reading from a kaiju out of nowhere when the kaiju were regenerating. Nine times out of ten... That means it's just like a malfunction, but we happen to lose track of one person's vitals around that time. That person being you, Kafka Hibino. His abnormally slow suit aptitude aside, something feels off about this guy. So I'm going to keep him close and find out exactly why that is. And he looks suddenly very serious when he has always just been this, you know, narrow eyed, uh, you know, jokester kind of character to this point but now he seems very very honed in on kafka he knows that something's up about him so 
I really do uh, like this development. It uh, was another thing that kind of took me off guard. Not nearly as much as Toilet Kaiju, but uh, hey, you know, we set up this character to seemingly be one way. It turns out, actually, he's probably a lot more dangerous than you kind of give him credit for initially. Uh, he doesn't seem to have nefarious um, purpose about him or anything like that, but he's not dumb. So I also kind of like that the reason Kafka ultimately makes it in, is it like a gimme? Like, it's presented that way, that it's just like, hey, but he tried so hard, and he, he's going to make us laugh, so we're going to we're gonna make him a cadet for that reason, you know? We'll, 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 we'll put him at the lowest rank, but get him through. You know, you didn't beat Erica, Ash, but we're going to give you the Vermilion Gym badge because you helped, you know, put out the fires or whatever fucking town it was. You know, it, it, there's actually a reason. He, he got him in here because he wants to keep an eye on him, and I like yeah. that that's something that, you know, was kind of kept quiet. And we're very quickly seen as, you know, Gin Ichi, uh, Ichi, Ichimaru or whatever his fucking name yes, was from Bleach. That's correct. Seeing that kind of character open up a lot more quickly is something I'm kind of into because I feel like that act gets kind of old pretty quickly. But now there's a layer that's definitely more And then has a disappointing payoff when you do actually learn the entire picture. Nick, what are you talking about? He loved what's her uh, Matsumoto. And then uh, I think. Did he? he? I don't know. <laughs> I think I... he died. I don't really remember. I remember his Bankai was kind of lame. And then. Stupid. And then he died. <laughs> It's not actually the biggest or the fastest. Would it actually? Fuck off. It's a poison. <laughs> You're like, what? <laughs> I need to stab you with it. So it's like soy funds. Yes, but no. <laughs> no, because then that would be weird. You know, then then it sounds like we wouldn't have the same space. <laughs> uh, all right. I like that chapter. So let's move on to Eden Zero, Nick, chapter 110, I'm an old model. Oh, no, sorry, a robot in love. I just assumed because I'm an old model was said like 16 times in this chapter that that was the chapter. So we're back at Red Cave, we're back at the Undersea Temple, and everyone's kind of just waiting around because we know which went off, but it's going to take some time for her to come back. So everyone's like, so, like, what's the deal with you? And she's like, well, they... You can get in there, but there's a secret at the end of the cave. And they're like, tell us a secret. She's like, I can't. I'm an old model after all. You're like, okay. So they ask about the robots outside. Why are all the robots outside dying? She explains that back in the day, there's a treasure inside of this temple. And then inside of that treasure is a beacon to go find mother. But that a very long time ago, the treasure was stolen 200 years ago. And that treasure was radiating ether that basically kept all the robots alive. So the treasure was stolen and all the robots died. So Happy's like, didn't it affect you? And she's like, yeah, I died too. But then Andrew came and repaired me and he eventually succeeded. I mean, I require this cable, but I succeeded. Everyone's like, who's Andrew? She's like, oh, it's a human engineer that came down here to conduct maintenance. And he was a very kind man and Oh, she kind of has like a, a little like look off to the side. So they're like, do you love him? She's like, oh, don't make me say that. I'm an old model after all. So why is it? I wish that at some point someone had said like that has literally no bearing. Like and neither have the past four times you said that. <laughs> like you can't just say I'm an old model. When I ask you, where is the bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> Does this to- <laughs> is the toaster you- being used right now? I'm an old model. All right. Well, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. How to- I'm going to assume that means no. <laughs> Did the- <laughs> no, I'm an old model. <laughs> Did the Eagles win today? I'm an old model. I don't. 
don't know. You're like, I just want to do. I just want to know how well Wentz did in fantasy football. Not well. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm an old model. What do I know? Like, fuck you. Are you lying to me now? Uh, Weiss uh, apparently suggests the idea that people in this world believe that humans and androids can't get and fall in love. And uh, Hamora immediately is like, I see nothing wrong with it. So, I mean, the only thought I really have to that, I guess, is it makes sense that there is supposed to be some level of prejudice against androids because they are. It was a big thing at the start. Well, they don't have souls like they don't have hearts, but it is weird that like. I guess with everything else, I guess it's just because we meet the nice characters, generally speaking, that it comes off a little bit strange to me. Yeah. Because I... I mean, it does make sense as something to eventually address in terms of, like, if you have a group that there is prejudice against that you would, you know, want inter... Not even really species, because it's, you know... I'm sure that there is a term for it, but... Uh, like what? Intersentience. Yeah, <laughs> in- inter biological construction but like it is weird because i'm like why still i think likes to flirt with the robots like i like i think he thinks robots are hot so Ah. that would be actually an interesting detail if they had actually made that point earlier where maybe not like he acted with revulsion towards them but if like you know sister or witch you know shows up in one of their hot outfits and he just doesn't react to it the way that he reacts to every other woman Uh in the series it's just like, it's just not a thing that you made. Yeah. Whatever. I do appreciate the detail of Hamura being the one to speak up about it. Cause like out of the people there. Yeah. I mean, she, her, she basically sees it, an Android as being her mother. So of course she doesn't, yeah. she thinks it's fine. So White's basically is a boomer and he's just like, fine, whatever. 50 years ago, I guess I don't get you people. And she, he's like, she's older than you. And she just says, <laughs> like that. I'm an old model. And I'm like, fuck. Come on, you man. Were just, I mean, that one, I'll, I mean, like, yes, that was relevant, but clearly you just had that one queued up for, like, the, the topic of age being brought up. Yeah. <laughs> so everyone kind of puts two and two together, at least Rebecca does, where she's like, oh, that console that said Nadia, the love of my life, and then the skeleton inside, and that was 200 years ago. And Nadia just says, but I'm going to wait here. I'll be here when Andrew returns. Uh, Shiki tries to tell her, like, that's longer than humans could live. And, and Rebecca shuts him up, basically, like, says, like, nope, you really believe that, don't you? And she's like, yep, I made a promise, so I believe in him. And I, I do like that Rebecca's like, let her have this. She's a fucking robot attached to a cord at the bottom of a temple. Let her believe that he's coming back one day. Um, well, like, given this series, I mean, characters have died multiple times, but due to time travel and reality hopping, they've come back. So maybe he will. It, it ver- like, just because literally you've seen his corpse and that guarantees nothing. Like, Honestly, so- that might make it easier for him to come back because if he gets chronophaged and they eat back 50 years of this place and it's like, hey, his body was here. Yeah, it's, it's very easy to make that stuff happen. Uh, I do like the impression that we get from this is that... <laughs> The guy was either on his way back from his his explorations or he just never made it off world, (laughs) which is like the the, the latter option is like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go off and do this. And he just crashes immediately and she doesn't know he's dead. He's like, oh, God, that's horrible. (laughs) Grady gets in this little ship. He's like, what would happen if I rolled down the window here? (laughs) 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 Like just something. Oh, no. Like something really stupid. He's like. Poisonous mercury is to eat. It just sounds like a vial of it. 
Like, just gets. Do you really need a heart to live? <laughs> just something really stupid. <laughs> um. So yeah, they basically gave a little more, more of an explanation at like, well, the treasure was stolen a long time ago, but the beacon can't be stolen. So that's what Ziggy got all that time ago. And she explains, yeah, it's kind of like a lock post. Everyone's kind of obtained this. This is their way to find mother. Uh, and then witch shows up and or yeah, witch. Uh, it is and Laguna's there with them. And there's just basically a flashback saying that he agreed to on one condition. So we don't really know exactly what that was, but yep. yeah. Uh, there's a weird retcon that feels like happens because Laguna explains he's like, the Elemental Four were a necessary group because all of our elemental powers in tandem kept Draken Joe level, and by defeating us, you actually made him weaker, and you wouldn't have stood a chance against a fully powerful Draken Joe. And I'm like, it's kind of a weird detail to add after the fact, but I guess if they're... You know, Laguna, maybe he just told you that to make you feel better. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. He's like, now if I lose, it's only because you guys lost. So. Or, or like, you know, it's like, now, Laguna, I just want you to know that, yeah, I may not pay you very well, but you are an essential part of this organization. Your water balancing out the elements, that's what gives me long life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now go get me the, go get me that liquor, okay? Go, go grab me the food. Um, Basically, there's a small little detail of everyone being like, he was a bad guy, Rebecca, being like, no, he was good in the one timeline, so I think he's still good now. Uh, And then... They all work together, basically. There's a small, stupid moment where Witch's bathing suit starts exploding, and Cheeky's like, oh my god! She's like, no, I don't, I'm a robot, I don't care if I'm nude, it doesn't bother me. And she's like, it'd actually be worse if my mask was uncovered, and Cheeky's like, but you're not into masks. So she's like, eek! And covers up her face. I do actually like the line that Luguna has where he's like, that's actually kind of cute. Because it's a very, like, nonplussed reaction. It's just like, Huh. Yeah. You know, it's it's he just acknowledges another character's quirk. He's like, no, oh, that's kind of cute. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like the an observation that someone reading a manga would usually make, which is like, oh, that's kind of cute. Just... <laughs> uh basically she explains, like, hey, you use your water powers to make him water, and then I'm going to basically coat him in an energy, and that way he'll stay water and it won't immediately just evaporate the fire. He goes through, gets to the other side. And he's in some strange old temple with a bunch of weird ether. And he's like, oh, all this ether, it's coming from the stolen treasure. And a voice tells him, yes, it's been lost. But follow this ether and it will show you the path to me. And he's like, me? It's like, yes, I am the matriarch of the cosmos. I am mother. So a couple of things about this, about this sequence. I don't really want to spend too much time on it. Uh, this is, you know, very just like, all right. Here's the lore. Here's the thing they're trying to do. Blah, 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 blah. There you go. You know, it's I I can't really imagine they're going to spend a ton of time on this planet because, you know, no enemies have shown up yet, um, which, you know, is fine. This is a nice if, if it is just like a nice little diversion, then whatever. Um, uh, one thing is that they keep making these notes about how this combination of ethers will work and no other possible options will like Laguna as they're sending Shiki catapulting down this burning tunnel is like, can't he just use gravity to push the flames down? 
And instead of which saying, do you know how heat works? <laughs> she says, it would appear that the ether of this place prevents him doing that. Which is just like, that's just, did some editor at some point ask Kira, like, why doesn't he just use gravity? And he's like, fine, I'll put in a line saying why he can't just do this and why Laguna's got to be here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Yeah, pretty much. Necessary to prevent heat from escaping a tunnel and wafting up to you would be like if he if he had that much gravity power, he this would never have been a problem to begin with. He could have just gravityed what was at the end of this hallway towards himself, basically. Anyway, but uh, the other thing I have is positive, which is that uh, the visual of the image of mother appearing before Shiki is actually really cool. Uh, I love the size that is carried across to you. This idea that. She's so otherworldly and huge that like she doesn't so much appear as like everything just changes so that it's her. And so Shiki's in a room that is basically just her and that's it mm. as opposed to her being in the same room. So it's 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 a cool visual and I really, really like how they keep on pushing this idea of how powerful and grand she is. So. Indeed. That's about it. Yep. So, it's a chapter. Uh, more jokes about uh, sex stuff. Um, like it's, but whatever. You know, I, I, I mostly mostly they just kind of like you know just look. You get shot enough times in certain games, and your armor class levels up. So you know, so it it, it takes more fan service in a hero series for me to even you know acknowledge it at this. point at this point so yeah all right uh, uh okay we're going to move on to uh chainsaw man yes yes okay so chapter 84 hero of hell last time uh denji destroyed the hell devil uh cut him to goddamn pieces in the beginning of this chapter, one of the agents uh, kneels over the face. It doesn't seem like the whole head of the hell devil. And it's just like, die after you do your job. And just, you know, coughs, spits some blood in his mouth so he can feed it to the thing and let, and let it regenerate. Uh, and a hand descends through a doorway in the sky and sends Denji to hell. So we got over to Makima, who's watching all this, and she just goes, oh, dear, he's been cast into hell. <laughs> all right. He's like, he's like this, this is the moment where Kishibe would be like, I'm not winning this, am I? Because you don't seem concerned about this at all. I'm going to go get on this uh, one-way ticket <laughs> to Acapulco. <laughs> he's like, if you need me, I'm going to be at the Port Authority and then hopefully never seen again. Goodbye. <laughs> Running off. We find out that one of the reasons why uh, being killed doesn't seem to uh, matter to Makima too much, uh, as Kishibe has her held at gunpoint in this hallway full of dead people, is per my contract with the prime minister, attacks made on me will be changed into appropriate illnesses and accidents among Japanese citizens. So she's got a lot of backup lives, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he doesn't put the gun down. And so Makima's like, you know, even knowing that, what, what, the, what, why aren't you lowering your gun? And, and he says, well, why do you look so calm? Your chainsaw devil's been cast into hell. And Makima says, well, I asked him to save me. Thus, I believe he will return no matter what. And 
So Kishibe is just like, what What the hell are you? And Makima just says, I'm a fan of his. Hero of hell, Chainsaw Man. And we see that as soon as Denji the Chainsaw Man has been dropped into hell, he starts cutting through demons. And Makima goes on this long, you know, thing talking about how great the Chainsaw Man is. I kind of want to adapt these lyrics into like a 70s Japanese superhero song because they are very, you know, poetic and reverent in regards to what the Chainsaw Man can do. Mm. Uh, But the important thing, uh, in addition to just how many devils are killed by the Chainsaw Devil... And how often he has just come back from dying and being cast to hell and such like that is the way that people react to the Chainsaw Devil. You know, some, you know, are angry about his exploits. Others run and try to escape and still others worship him. And there's another reason he is the devil that devils fear most. The devils that Chainsaw Man eats, their names are erased from existence and Kishime is just kind of his expression doesn't really change. He's like, that's not possible. And Makima says, well, you can't perceive it happening. So, of course, you don't believe it. Names that have been eaten are erased from the past, the present, even from individuals' memories. Even with my power to take control over everything, I'm beginning to forget the names that are gone. Do you remember what the Nazis did to the Jews? And Kishibeg says, those numbers have been exaggerated. It wasn't actually six million Jews. Uh, it was actually Russians. And <laughs> oh, no. I liked you, Kishibeg. When he hears this, Kishibeg just says, what are Nazis? So apparently at some point, Chris, the Nazi devil was a thing, and Denji ate it. Therefore, Chainsaw Man, great hero, is the best. <laughs> um, and in addition to this, uh, there are all sorts of other devils that existed before, and things that no longer exist in this world of Chainsaw Man. Nazis, World War II, Ardalone Syndrome, Soa, AIDS, nuclear weapons, the Mount Heo eruption, all of these once existed and were feared as much as the devils with their names because Chainsaw Man ate them all. The sixth sense that all humans used to have, the light of a particular star that would break children's minds, four possible conclusions other than death at the end of living beings' lifespans. They have all ceased to exist and I can't recall them. Yet even how I remember the sight of their devil, even now I remember the sight of their devils fighting Chainsaw Man as clear as day. So, in addition to this world being different from our own because certain historical events never happened, this world apparently used to be much different than our own because crazy things used to exist that the Chainsaw Devil just ate. <laughs> so, the Nazi Devil was a hero character in a Kubo series. <laughs> this is kind of a weird cosmic chapter that touches on some really weird things. And Kishibe very understandably says, the scale of this is so big, I can't wrap my head around it. 
But then he suggests, okay, so you're going to use this power to turn the world to crap. And Makima replies, well, do you really believe the Prime Minister of Japan would make a contract with such an evil devil? I have the power to control those I believe to be lesser than myself. If I fight Chainsaw Man and win, I should be able to control him. I want to use Chainsaw Man to create a better world. And Kishibe actually seems to have been like fully thrown off by this. Because he's just like, wait, what? <laughs> you, you think you're a good person? Hang on. <laughs> and Makima's like, take, for example, death, war, hunger. Many things in this world that humanity would be happier without. With Chainsaw Man's power, I'll blot them all out. And Kishibe is like, well, don't you think you could lose and get eaten yourself? But Makima's crazy, you see. <laughs> because she says, that would be another dream come true for me. I told you, I'm a fan of his. To be eaten by Chainsaw Man and become part of him, there could be no greater honor. Anyway, Denji's back from hell now. <laughs> that lasted about five minutes of his conversation. He He's back. He comes through the door again. It would be great if he comes back. He's like, I ate the pizza devil. Everyone's like, God damn it, Denji. God damn it. It was pretty, <laughs> it was pretty small. It fell into my mouth. <laughs> no, no. You're a monster chainsaw man. Um, so a couple things. Mm-hmm. Um, one, this, I don't know. I, so it feels like for a while now, we've kind of been getting this acceleration. We're like, just how long, much longer is this series going to last? Cause it seems like we're going towards the conclusion and this could very well be like the thing that happens a few chapters before Makima gets killed series over or whatever. But also it seems like this could really just be like establishing stuff for the next big part of the series is like this is the thing that we're working with now that we know the villains plan and their outlook on things and you know if more people are thinking like hey maybe Makim's got a point and then eventually we discover oh but there are still horrible massive problems that would have resolved directly because of this and then they decide because of that that they have to keep opposing her and then we go on to have a struggle after that so this chapter, more than a lot of the past few, made me think, oh, there could be like dozens of chapters following this uh, now that we've gotten that established. Um, but I don't know if we've made a single accurate prediction about Chainsaw Man in the entire time we've been recapping it. So probably not. <laughs> so I uh, didn't care for this chapter particularly. Uh, I'll be honest, I don't like villains that have this motivation. This is, like, a big thing in JRPGs where, mm -hmm. like, the final villain comes out and they have to get kind of, like, really abstract about things. So it's just like, I'm gonna create a better world by erasing war. Like, I don't know. It's every time I hear that, I'm just like, eh, this is, like, kind of a boring character motivation. So I kind of lost a little bit of interest halfway through the chapter. Although I did enjoy that, like, Denji ate Nazis, uh, World War II, <laughs> and the atomic bomb. And I was like, so what, did he just eat the 1940s devil? Like, he really, really... There's a lot of fear going around that time. <laughs> he really focused in on that time period. <laughs> this sucks! I hated this part of history class! 
but yeah, I don't know. Like my mind, usually it's just like a suspension disbelief thing. And I'm just like, so I don't like, this takes place in the nineties. There are people who lived there in world war two where they just like, like a soldier from world war two was just like, I don't really know what I did for <laughs> 10 years. Oh, it's just kind of blank, I guess. Like I know it rewrites reality. It could be whatever. It's just one of those things. where I'm just like, this feels like it serves a point for you, but not to a cohesive story. Yeah, and also there is this still the whole thing about like the nature of the chainsaw devil and versus what we knew about Pochita and the contract that mm-hmm. it formed with Denji and stuff like that. Um I feel it feels like there's still a lot more about this that even after we've had this huge massive it works on a cosmic scale that alters reality that it's like, yeah, we still don't know everything about this creature. Yeah. Uh, we just kind of know the way that some people look at it. And it feels like there's going to be a big point that's going to come eventually where we learn, like, this is, you know, why the chainsaw man, you know, acts the way it does, not works the way it does, but acts the way it does. Why it, you know, devours all these other devils and, and, yet decided to make a contract with this one poor kid who uh whose life was was shit yeah so no i'm definitely interested to see more yeah all right chris burn the witch Chapter, chapter number four if a lion could speak we couldn't understand what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> it's, it means everything you need it to mean. Uh, by the way, uh, what's her name? Apparently uh, has like, I, you, like you've heard of boob windows before. She's got she's got crotch window. I I I, <laughs> I feel like that'd be so much more inconvenient, and I don't understand why. <laughs> like I don't understand why she has it beyond Kubo wanted it, and I'm just like, it's. Until we find out anything about her, it is the exclusive, only interesting detail about that character. So anyway. Bruno Bangknife is after Balgo. And Balgo reacts to be like, why? And Bruno's like, well, I guess the smallest murphy you can give a dead man walking is not telling me exactly when he's going to bite the dust. And Balgo's like, being scary uh nini and noel get ready to fight against bruno uh macy spots ellie coming down from the sky and bruno holds his hand out to her and goes sorry haven't gotten any use for you anymore so i want to make a correction for last week when we were going over the chapter i assumed that bruno did something to transform ellie into a dark dragon thing um because he was on the roof with ellie and then there was a flash and there was a big dark dragon with him. What that actually meant was he had just summoned his own dragon, not Ellie. Uh, 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 so, you know, shoot me for being wrong about the establishing shots, um, you know, not establishing that. So he casts a blast up towards Ellie, but Ellie disappears and Nini says, no, no, you see, the reason why it looked like Ellie had vanished is because it's a dragon that erases itself. See, 
It, it's not a problem with the manga. It's a problem with you, Nick. And Bruno speaks in um, shonen exposition. Uh, you know, that way where you go like, wait a minute, it used glossary term. That's not a term. That's not a thing that any normal dragon can use. And so Ellie has basically gone invisible and then starts to grow visible again when it attacks Bruno's dragon. And then it flies back up into the air in this big two page spread. It's this very large feathered dragon uh, whose tail looks like fire. Uh, it's kind of like a a very large bird-like dragon. Mm. And uh, so they're like, oh, my God, it's it's completely transformed. And Noel says, it's molted in the moonlight. And Bruno Bangnut's like, wait a minute. It has stealth scale, and it molts in the moonlight, and it has six talents. Without a doubt, that thing's one of the Marchens. Bum 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 bum. And Balgo very helpfully says, "See, this is why Balgo's here mm-hmm. is, to, is to is to know nothing, so that he will ask questions like, what's a Marchen?" And Noel says, "Well, they're rumored to have existed even before the formation of Reverse London. Seven dragons likened to and named for fairy tales, including, <laughs> and she names them all, and and." There's like, okay, Snow White, Red Dress, Sugar House. I get what those are referencing. Bubbles? Because Little Mermaid? Yeah, she was born from sea foam, I think, in the original version. Band of animals, which could mean literally anything. There's so many fairy tales associated with a bunch of animals. I've heard. Maybe it's the Lion King, for all I know. (laughs) I I heard people say which one it is. I forget what one it is. It's not one of the ones that, like, I think commonly is told here. And Golden Axe! Obviously, because it was an excellent Sega Genesis game. These are all named after Sega Genesis. (laughs) (laughs) They're all all named after Sega Genesis games, right? Like, Uh, uh Snow White is Vector Man, uh, Sugar House is Toe Jam and Earl... Red dress is uh Alex Kid in the Miracle World or whatever. Band of Animals is Kid Chameleon, obviously. Uh anyway, uh it turns out that Ellie is actually Cinderella, and it was just a complete coincidence that Macy happened to give it a fucking name that's, that was derived from Cinderella. It's my favorite part, is like, that's not Ella, that's Cinderella, like the as a moment, the entire audience at one is supposed to go like, oh, and not everyone be like, I mean, I guess. <laughs> so anyway, fuck this. So, um, Noel says like the origin of the name Cinderella comes from its distinctive biology, as it only matures nocturnally, as well as from star ash, the dust that it scatters when agitated. Anything that comes in contact with that dust and Ellie or Cinderella flaps her wings and these explosions go off on all the buildings that, uh, you know, the stardust from her wings touches. And it was like, well, I mean, the reference book said it's engulfed in light, but, you know, it's, and, and of course, he's just like, they're fucking bombs. I do so, like Nini just being like, why do they dress it up like that? They're just bombs. It's so much more danger. We should have known that part immediately. 
There are a few exchanges of dialogue here that are pretty nice, uh, honestly. Um, and that's that's one of the good ones uh, that, that isn't included in this chapter. Although, I have to say, Cinderella is basically uh, Bambietta from uh from from the van der reich because you know everything explodes nick he made like sixty five thousand characters in bleach well he shouldn't have (laughs) (laughs) what's then he wouldn't have to recycle them because he used all of the ideas well hopefully uh we'll at least find out that cinderella doesn't have to spend the rest of her life as like i think a sex slave or something like that i don't think they ever fully addressed whatever happened to bambietta in the zombie form or Hari Bell, for that matter. Hey, She's still there. I heard in a light novel. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I heard. Yeah. Nick, there's another. There's another out. There's another source of books you have to read. I heard that. To <laughs> what happened to the seventieth most important character in Bleach? It's all there. <laughs> I heard it's in an intro chapter to the book that explains how Kira gets his bonkai. They don't show it, but they do explain he has a bonkai <laughs> and also a robot arm or something like that. He was a cyborg or something, right? Like he showed up to be like, "I'm a cyborg," and then he killed the bird dude. <laughs> Yes, and 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 there was a thing where it was like you would have known about it ahead of time if you had gotten you know, some fucking source novel or something like that. And it was anyway. So Bruno gets really excited at the appearance of Cinderella, and he like even like starts to like redress. He's like, I'm going into cool combat form, basically. Uh, but he says like. All right, Balgo, uh, I'm going to put a rain check on killing you because Marchens are just desic- they are automatic kill on sight if, if they ever appear because, you know, <laughs> they are such a big deal. Uh, we, no one's ever seen them before, but if they ever were to appear, then they're, you know, immediately kill them. And he puts he he gets ready to social distance. He, he puts on a face mask mm-hmm. and he's like, hey, I, I, I want to, you know, feel like I've got something not going on. So I've got my skull pattern on mine. And uh, now I am no longer Baz B. Now I'm Grimjow. So uh, he's got the, sc- the skull face mask on now. Uh, Nini's like, you aren't going to fight that thing. And Bruno's like, oh, I've waited my whole life to pull this line out. I ain't fighting it. I'm killing it. All right, but no, it's very cool. It is very cool. As is, you know, putting on a skull face mask. It's 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 immediate cool points. So, um, I'm one to talk. Half of my shirts have skulls on them. This one doesn't. I am wearing a ghost shirt at the moment. So, uh, so Bruno goes over to Rickenbacker, and (laughs) he's like, "All right, let's let's go." Um, and they, he flies up towards Cinderella. Um, Nini's like, this is crazy. Uh, hey, Niha, let's go do a frontal attack and we'll request reinforcements from HQ. And Noel's like, yeah, uh, I don't think we should do that. Uh, cause I mean, Balgo is still, you know, designated, you know, it's like a capture or kill target. So if we request reinforcements, they'll kill him. So he's like, I, yeah, but I mean, they wouldn't do that in an emergency, would they? Uh, more exploding scales come down, so they have to move off of the roof. So uh, all four of them, the, the two uh, witches and then, you know, 
their civilian tag alongs are flying away on their dragon broom things. And uh, they basically are trying to figure out what the hell to do. Uh, Nini's like, doesn't your book tell you anything that we can do about this? And Noel's like, I mean, my book just has information about the legends. Fair enough. Then there is one thing that is literally the first thing in all of Burn the Witch that I look at and go, okay, that's a cool idea. Because as he is flying on Rickenbacker, uh, Bruno flips back his coat and he's got this belt of spray cans on. Mm -hmm. And he pulls out one of the cans of spray paint and he paints a sigil on Bruno's wing and it acts as basically a rune circle for him to cast a spell. And he summons this shadow ape monkey thing. And, and so I looked at that and I'm like, that's a cool idea. Yeah. You know, you, you do a quick and it makes sense because like you can quickly paint a, a circle like that. So that is literally the first thing that I saw in this entire series that aesthetically went, that actually is kind of cool. So props for that. Uh, it tries to attack Cinderella. It blows up. Um, that's gone. So, uh, just like, uh, just like most summons in like Naruto, yeah, didn't do anything really <laughs> come to think. Nick, of it. but we've, now we know the hunger shadow exists. This could be a very relevant thing going forward in Burn the Witch. This last chapter that it turns out wasn't. So... <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm angry. So <laughs> <laughs> I like that you're like, I don't know how I feel. Not sure. <laughs> uh, Noel and Nini arrive on the scene. They have dropped their passengers off somewhere. Um, the Bruno says like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to break the, the horn of the crown already in its head and then kill it that way. And Noel's like, I mean, do you know that'll work? Isn't that just part of the legend? How do you know that that, that part of the legend's accurate? And They're like, well, like, well, we, we're fine. Fairy tale. So I do like that. He's like, well, we'll we're fine. A fairy tale. Let's just rely on old lore. But I also <laughs> ironically enjoy the part where they're like, we don't know if breaking the horn on its head will do anything. Like you seem to know everything else about it. <laughs> like you were like, the margins are an ancient race of dragons. We don't even really know if they exist, but here's all their detailed stats <laughs> and abilities. You're just like, oh, okay. I guess that was the idea of what was established by like, oh, and it causes, you know, everything it touches to be set alight. It's like, they're bombs! So it's like, you know, maybe things are a little bit more poetic. But yeah, if it's just, if it says somewhere, it's like, and its horn broke and it died. It's like, okay, maybe we should follow that. So. <laughs> uh... Bruno starts like offering. Uh, he's like, "Hey, if you provide me backup, I'll accept your transfer into the Inks." And he's like, "I'm not interested." And I was like, "I mean, I didn't even want that." So, <laughs> so Bruno says, "You're really getting on my bloody nerves." You know, British. So, um, keto happens. Uh, they basically just pin Cinderella down to the roof of the tower it's on. And Bruno's like, all right, here we go. A big ass tentacle curtain thing will explode and eat it. I don't know what happens. Shapes descend on Cinderella. They blow up. It, Bruno goes, whoa. And uh, it looks like it's, it's intended to spell something because it's graffiti. Essentially, and you can kind just choke, choke. Yeah, 
Which I like. I mean, it makes sense. He's, that's what he's trying to do. Choke it in explosions. So anyway, uh, it blows it up. And uh, then Bruno's like, well, I guess your own blast can't kill you. He's like, yeah, okay. Um, then it starts flying away from them. Uh, and then they've ha- so Noel and Nini after the last exchange ended up over near ba- Bago and Macy. I think that's her name. Yep. And, and so Macy's like, Ellie might be coming to see me. There has to be somewhere other than killing. And Nini's like, Oh, come on. <laughs> uh, there's another explosion. Nini doesn't handle it very well. She gets sent flying in some rubble. Uh, Macy basically kneels in front of her in between her and Cinderella and you know, is like, Ellie, don't hurt it. Uh, they shoot Cinderella some more and he's like, I told you that's not going to work. How long are you going to keep insisting that the dragon will give you strength or they'll make take you somewhere special? Can you stop talking like this is a fairy tale? Aren't fairy tales full of it? What's so great about magic if it fades in the middle of things? You broke a promise, so... Oh, well, time's up. This is a fucking poser. She's a poser, Chris. She walks around all day thinking of speeches that she's going to, to deliver. And just like, I've been preparing this speech for so long. I've just been waiting for the right moment to dunk on fairy tales. She really and now has. here's the time to do it. And we saw her deliver this speech in the first chapter. It like, oh, it's bookending. Yes, but it's an in-character bookend. The first time she was faking it to no one. She just has this speech sitting around in her head. She sucks. <laughs> I didn't really notice it before. I didn't realize she's giving this speech in the moment. Because I was like, it's fine if it's like in her head. Because she has this moment where she's like, what do you think? This is some magic thing where you have this connection to it and that's what's going to be what happens. She's like, no, it's not like a fairy tale connected to all this. And then in her mind, she thinks the rest of it's like, yeah, fairy tales are full of it. Like addressing her pessimism. But instead, she gets on a soapbox for a moment in this middle of like this natural disaster, basically. Yeah, everyone's like still doing stuff. Like Noelle is still like, you know, clearly like she's got her wand gun ready and she's still like getting ready for combat stuff and he's like well i guess she's still talking okay (laughs) (laughs) but but chris very importantly we get the conclusion of that of that rant that she was going on before when she didn't finish it before you and everybody else have no idea why the spell wears off it's because the power was never yours macy we're the ones who can she's so fucking lame but who nick who casts the magic the cast the magicers Mm? who casts the spell casters (laughs) yeah damn it that actually works because there's damn okay never mind so (laughs) nick end the stream we can trademark this now hurry get the patent phone on the line so Oh, and there is another, you know, little moment that I kind of like here where they're like, okay, let's get ready to do this. And Balga's like, no, is there anything I can do? And Noel's like, no, go clutch a pipe in the, the, that we gave you and tremble in a corner. <laughs> so, um, Balgo gets upset for a bit and I believe Nini like just kicks him away and is like, go, go over here. Watch the dog. So, uh, then he summons a sword. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a sword appears in his hand. Mm-hmm. 
He is surprised to see it. He makes a face. Uh, um, and then he just immediately goes like, what with this sword? Both Noel and Nini are so shocked by this. They're like, wait a minute. Is that coming out of the pipe we gave you? How, how did, would that happen? Cinderella spots the sword and is stunned to see it, apparently, because she completely pauses. And then... Headshot! Someone snipes the, the fucking bird dragon. Starts to fall from the sky. We pan across the cityscape to see their useless trucker hat mustache boss guy who goes, Good grief. Did I do that? <laughs> Cut to the next day. Noel and Nini are being debriefed. They've got, you know, some facial bandages on and stuff. And Nini is really pissed off that they're not getting any compensation really for the job. And super sniper mustache boss guy is like, no, 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 I'll take a closer look. And Nini's like, we got five pounds and five points. That's as good as nothing. How can we accept this after we slayed a legendary dragon? They're like, well, I mean, considering they docked you up for all the property damage, and also it says here Director Bagknife is the one who delivered the finisher, and Nini's like, well, you didn't kill it either! And the guy's like, well, if you say either, then that means you didn't kill it, right? So doesn't really have a answer for that. Yeah. yeah. And she was, she's like, fairy tales are full of it. Be great she launches into it again. I know that there are some people out there who are like, oh, I like these characters. Nini sucks, all right? She's just lame, okay? <laughs> Not as a character. I'm just like, no, she just kind of is dumb. <laughs> so um, he kind of says like, hey, Patrick is collecting preserving Cinderella's corpse. Also, come in here. And Macy is there. She's wearing a nice dress coat thing. And... uh they're like, what? We have to keep her at her at our houses too, and he's like, yep. Uh, she's got a light case of dragonclad, so you've got to conserve her at your home. Does someone does? I mean, it seems like it's bad planning that anyone who's got this kind of uh, condition they just have to keep at one of these agents' houses. Like, don't they have a hospital or something like that that they could do this? Whatever. So Nick, there's no hospitals in reverse London. That's ridiculous. There are, I mean, there's they're, they're there's right below the hospitals. <laughs> there's real hospitals. So I guess theoretically the reverse London hospitals would also be in that location. But I understand having to stay in reverse London. It just seems like really bad planning. That'd be like, yeah, we'll just, you know, put them up in our underpaid agents apartments and that'll be enough. Specifically with someone they already know to create the most amount of like bias that could possibly yeah. involved in this situation. So Macy is happy with this situation because she's in love, question mark, with Nini which uh, makes her comments kind of creepy when she's like, oh, this will be fun. Uh, Noelle uh, speaks up while they start arguing because she's like, hey, what's going on with Balgo? And he says, oh, oh right, right, right. Uh, yeah, we got this. And uh, yeah, his punitive dragon release uh, has been, uh, yeah, he's been released from it. 
And we actually cut from that point over to where the same thing is happening between Bruno and uh, the old man member of the council that we briefly saw before. And he's like, you know, I'm kind of surprised that you, you know, you know, move for this. Uh, I believe that, you know, the investigation determined that Balgo Parks came into contact with Macy Baljour two months ago. If that served as the trigger for Cinderella's appearance, that is enough reason to keep him alive. That is, if he is our trump card for eliminating the margins. Ooh. So they want to kill all these ancient dragons and stuff, and they want to use Balgo to draw them out. Ooh. We cut away from there to the rooftop broom that Mustache Guy was in, and we see SS Anne, let's call her. Um, Not wrong. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm a little proud that of that. That one's pretty good. That one's really good. So she basically sees that even though he used his spirit gun to shoot a sniper rifle, that there are indications of it, this place being used as a sniper post, like the hole in the window and the impression of that his elbow made in some boxes. So she's like, junior, you scoundrel. I'm relieved to find I did not overestimate the son of a hero. Okay. So, <laughs> and then she immediately basically has the scene covered up um, so that no one else figures out what happens, I guess. We cover to Balgo, who's just hanging out by himself, and he spots Noel. He's like, oh, yeah, the chief just came by and uh, to take back the equipment they loaned me. Looks like I don't need them. Oh, well. And, and she and she suddenly leans in and hugs him. And he's like, uh, did something bad happen? And Noel's like, no. So something good then? And she says, yes. And he's like, oh, good for you. And that's where the chapter ends. It is a, like actually kind of a nice little moment where, you know, we don't see like the way that she reacts to the news that Balga is going to be OK in the moment. But when she goes to see him again, she's very happy that he's not going to be fucking executed. Aww. So uh, it's a nice way of doing it. And also it's kind of stays with her more understated approach. But to see this kind of a reaction is like, oh, that means something because she barely racks anything. Uh, so we've got news that uh, there's more Burn the Witch coming. Yeah, there is. It seems as though it's... They basically said, oh, a season two is coming. So what it would appear is that we're going to get kind of a series of limited runs with this, which, knowing Kubo's approach to writing uh, is probably a good idea to just let him go away and not have to write something every week in and week out and run himself uh, into really stupid ideas over and over again. Just like he'll think of something and then, Oh, here's character designs. I want to use and just put them into it. Um, but uh, I don't know. Um, overall, this is definitely like not really doing it for me just the series as a whole. And I feel as though if it weren't just like this big, Oh, it's special thing that I wouldn't really want to cover it uh, again, but because of what it is, 
the way it's being delivered and stuff like that. I'm pretty sure we are probably going to end up coming back to this when it comes back in the future. Uh, but whatever, you know. So I ended up really liking this chapter. I really ended up every part of it working for me. Now, granted, before I I had mentioned at one point, I finally reached that point with Bleach where I really just stopped caring about a lot of things. And I've kind of just accepted that's how I digest Kubo's writing. So, yeah, there are a lot of, like, weird plot holes. But every one of them kind of worked for me. I like that there's these weird fairy tale dragons. I like that uh, Bruno Bagknife puts on a mask because he uses spray paint as his weapon to, to fight against monsters. I like that there was this cool moment where Balgo got a sword. and He's just like, why is this here? And I also like that fucking Junior just snipes the dragon in that moment because it seems to recognize the sword. So it stops for a moment. And that gives him a clean shot. Everything just kind of worked for me in this. I like that there's a little message to Macy and or Marcy in all of this, and I just kind of enjoyed it. Like I, it took till chapter four, but I, I feel like if I digest this all as one long kind of prologue, I feel like I kind of enjoy the whole total package a lot more. So I kind of enjoyed it. I do think that it like. When you see now this, like, okay, there's everything. There's this, there's this, not chapter, but there's this part of the story all done and in a package and stuff like that. You see, you know, it's like, okay, it all, it's, you know, pretty solid. It, it all comes together. There are certain things that are running through it that, you know, work. And this is, you know, the story of, you know, Macy and, 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 and Ellie, basically. Um, and it seems as though, this main cast of characters that we've got, uh, Noel and Nini and, uh, and, and Balgo, it's not going to be like a bunch of big character moments for them. It seems like in every adventure they have, they're just going to kind of going to be the protagonists in these stories about these other people that we get, uh, which is fine. Um, so we have a little bit of news about this. So, this was something that we decided we were going to do before we knew for certain that there was going to uh, be a season two of burn the witch. Uh, so the idea was that we would talk about the whole thing. It turns out that uh, there's going to be more and that was something that was suspected, but wasn't known for certain, but uh, we got the idea. And so I decided to reach out and we are going to have taking one one on the podcast what? next week to talk about uh, burn the witch as a whole. Uh, and as it turns out, not as a whole, but part one as a whole. Uh, so we'll have a bit of time to digest the thing as a whole unit of content and uh, basically just talk about it from there. So Nick, there look at go. me. I'm just like that dragon. Ah, <laughs> oh, derp dragon never die. All right. Now it's so <sighs> with that done, Chris, we are going to move on to our other newer series in Weekly Shonen Jump. But guess what? We're already on Chapter 3. Where does school. the time go? <laughs> um, I feel like just last week I was being introduced to this wacky family and their cavalcade of, of hijinks. Let's talk about, let's reflect on all of the wonderful moments that the series has given us. Okay, so... <laughs> To like cut to the picture of the cat being introduced as Leave the Memories Alone starts playing and it just keeps recycling all the different cat jokes because that's all I cared about. 
just this weird face cat being in the background of a lot of shots. <laughs> Chapter three, our class. The family is all in the same class together. How could have foreseen this? Not only are they going to the same school, they're all in the same class together. The teacher is not there for the class yet. So this girl in glasses looks over the family and is like, I can't accept this. This is fucking weird. There are a couple of people who are like, I don't care. There's a guy like, well, it doesn't sit well with me. This is school, not home. Ah, oh, damn. This is the real, the real social conflict we've got to focus on, Chris. Families not being allowed in schools. When will it end? I do like it. It is almost just like this bipartisan issue that seems to have cropped up. Like, I don't really think it's a big issue. No, this is the biggest issue that has confronted us thus far in our lives. So, Gonzo the cat. Gomez, how dare you? Oh, no. <laughs> Gomez the cat has a response for, to all this. It goes... And as the cat goes on, people are like, there's a fucking cat student in this class. <laughs> that's not what they say. But this is like the one time where I'm just like, oh, wait, that's a joke. I think I think that's a joke because yeah, they just look at this cat in a, you know, a student uniform jacket meowing at them. They're like, you know, what? you're right. This is weird. So that's yes. I mean, anyway. Ichiro looks at everyone arguing and is just like, wait, that's not his name. Koshiro. Kotaro. Who cares? Kotaro looks at everyone arguing and is like, the class is at odds over my family. How things turn out like this. I mean, it seems obvious enough. I mean, you were there for the past two chapters. So Koshiro's dad tries to get everyone's attention. He's like, guys, fighting solves nothing. I'm Ichiro Iatani. I'm a family man. And like... I mean, we're arguing about your family in the first place. We're all high schoolers here. Let's get along. And they're like, how old are you? I'm 45. Like, okay, this is crazy. And he's like, well, listen, no one here is more passionate about being a high schooler than me. It hit me hard around the time I reached my 40s. Okay. Uh, Haruka is like, I'm LA and I'm this much of a high school grade schooler. Families are no good. You're in high school and you're still saying stupid like that. Cut the crap. All right. She's talking really brutally for despite being a little girl. Oh, that's uh, that's a joke, I guess. And they're like, what do you? Hey, you, the son. What do you think? Which is, yeah, he's like, don't call me that. And then. Kotaro's mom steps in. She's like, I'm in high school, too, and I'm 40-ish years old. Oh, it's funny, because she's a woman, so she's sensitive about her age. And she's like, and I made you something to say hello. I made gelatin cups, and I learned about all of you ahead of time to make a special cup for each and every one of you, complete with your faces. One person remarks, that's totally creepy. But she's like, I just want to break the ice. And so when the teacher comes in, everyone's like, this is kind of nice. And they're all eating their gelatin cups. Okay. And then we get one last panel that focuses on the on the one that she made for Co- for uh, Koshiro. And there's dialogue that says, this is good, isn't it? Uh-huh. It's good in a low-key way. I see what you did there. And no, you're not. Anyway. The series is... 
I don't even want to say it's bad, Chris, because to say it's bad means that I care enough about it to say it's bad. It's nothing. Okay. It is nothing. It is nothing. So you don't want to keep it in recap. I feel nothing. And reading it makes me feel more nothing. And I feel as though the whole inside of my soul grows with every page I have to read. Making me a robot. Interesting. Uh, so I have some kind of complex thoughts on this series, Nick. Uh, I don't want to take too long. So how long do you think would be an appropriate amount of time to really kind of digest this series? Uh, I mean, I spent about, well, I actually had to write about this to prepare for jump date. Uh, so I did all of my digesting on it already. So, uh, I don't know. Uh, I think that you could probably spend a few minutes on this, honestly. A few minutes? Excellent. Okay, so it's absolute garbage, but Undead Unluck, Chapter 31, is fucking ridiculous, guys. It is insane. All of the Apocalypse chapters in this series are bonkers, and this one absolutely lived up to it. It's this cool video game moment where all the quests are um, given out. No, I have two minutes, you said! So we see that there's a bunch of new UMAs that they have to do. I do not see my time. <laughs> yeah, well, be pretty sad. I do not see my time. No, I had you had your time. It is my time now. So there's a bunch of UMAs. There's one for each season with there's a bunch of rewards for them all again. But the only one that doesn't have a neutralization order is Autumn. So it's this cool idea. Like maybe they like Autumn might be the only fucking season left. If they go for all these missions, because they have to, they can't stop all these at this point. On the gelatin cups, Chris. Uh, it's it was delicious. Uh, so we see that there's also some new uh, like negators being included in there, unchanged and uh, a ghost as well, or no, a new a new monster ghost. So it's like there's some new elements in there, but the the danger is UMA revolution will happen if they don't do it. And then there's just this big moment where Billy's like, "So we only have to capture three of them, right? Let's just drop, or we only have to capture one." We kill the other three right let's just drop nukes on the other three and everyone's like well that sounds like a mass murder and he's like so what fuck the citizens why are we the only ones that have to deal with this uh and then he just starts shooting everybody he's just a bunch of bullets going around and that's the moment where andy's like oh wait hold on a moment so like he and i forget the to do with the chinese staff they hold him hostage and then uh fucking top just runs up and kicks him in the face because they're like shit he just shot ishin ishin's fucking dying we have to take his armor off and they're like oh man you killed billy but then he pops up and he's just like nah hey guess what guys it's this if we had to do all this on our own that would be bullshit their lives to be sacrificed as well because Otherwise, it would just be unfair, wouldn't it? And this big lava monster comes up and just grabs the table. And he's like, I'll be taking the round table. It's under the property of Undernow. The one who will kill God is me. And it's the dopest shit in the world. We got like our cool eyes and twist 30 chapters into the series. And it's fucking awesome. Uh, so I don't want to add High School Family into the recap going forward. And I will cede the rest of my time. Uh, the last panel in this chapter, uh, there's a spoon in it for the gelatin cup. Um, the entire time that I would look at it, however, my brain uh, just kind of like associated with like uh, it looks like a Q-tip. So that's actually what I thought it was, was a Q-tip. Um, and I just cared so little about what was going on that 
I never made the connection that it would be weird for there to be a Q-tip next to the gelatin cup or that it was actually a spoon. Um, now, did you at least appreciate that the chapter no. opened with the family suggesting he was pooping too long and that's why he was in there? And then at the no. end, he came in and he's basically like, I was pooping too long. Did that happen? Yeah. I don't think that happened. <laughs> Like it was a moment you opened the chapter and your eyes glazed over and your finger kept clicking a button and then you got to the end and you came back to reality but you're like I don't think all of me returned a piece of me stuck in this series. It's like you know when cam well, you have that belief that cameras you know suck out your soul. They do. Reading some manga sucks out your soul. Actually, all manga suck out your soul. It's just that most manga have the the fucking fucking good nature to put something back into you but this one doesn't and that's the thing chris is that my lack of emotional reaction to this series makes me angry because of how nothing it is uh-huh. all right uh so I think we'll be keeping it in the recap. Well, the teacher, the teacher is the one who went to the bathroom. Yeah. Okay. okay. I thought you were talking about Kotro, and that's no. why. Anyway, yes. Let's talk about Magu-chan, Nick. So we are introduced to Magu-chan in school, basically, because Ruru's going to school. Summer is over. As we begin chapter eleven, troublemaker Yuika Oze. Expanding that cast, which is definitely going to stick around because Magu-chan is going to live forever and it's definitely not going to be canceled in five chapters. Definitely not. I hope not. It's a little too early to tell, I think. It is still too early. I I think there could still be a chance for it. Also, there's series that have been ranking below it more consistently, so maybe. It's raining. So, uh... Uh, we are introduced to Ruru's friends Q, who is a tall, kind of quiet girl in glasses that I'm sure we'll get to know better later, and Yuika, who is um, an energetic troublemaker, basically, who uh, pisses off Magu in this chapter. Uh, Magu basically tries to Magu all over everyone. Uh, you know, and he's like, you know, he's like, I am familiar with this learning institution you call school. The literature I have read suggested is where many lowly humans throw their weight around. I was just thinking it was time to expand my realm. Minion, show me around the institution of learning so that I may gather followers. Uh, there's also a moment where Rue is like, if I have you around, the teachers will try to confiscate you. And he's like, ah, then I shall make myself smaller. I am a master of stealth, which is just, he just curls into a ball. He's like, I am, I'm invisible. <laughs> so, um, but, uh, Q does, is kind of reacts a little nervously. Yuika grabs Magu out of Ruru's hands and it is, and is, and is like, uh, Hey, what's this guy? And he's like, lonely human, subjugate yourself to me. Uh, oh, are you saying you want to be buddies? Bow! And she spikes him like a football. And she's like, ah, oh, I am a supreme being. And he's like, and Yuika says, nothing's greater than me. After all, you're nothing but a little pipsqueak. And there's just this image of Magu just kind of Pitch looking back. what you say? <laughs> it's amazing the amount of 
emotion he can display when his face is just an eye. <laughs> anyway, he takes his demonic gonna blow up the, the storm form for a bit. Is really pissed off about he this. He needs to As blow up that storm, yeah. <laughs> by, the, by the lightning he has just summoned outside. All praise to Magu-chan, the god of destruction. All hail Magu Manuaku. So... Rue keeps trying to calm him down while Yuiko, you know, runs off like, you're just a pipsqueak. Q explains that Yuiko is like, you know, she's just kind of, she likes to tease people. And Magu's like, I will make the troublemaker know my greatness. Magu is forced to hide in Rue's desk during class. Yuiko, it turns out, is an asshole. Uh, she gets a mirror somehow. I don't know what this is exactly, but she reflects the light from the sun through the window into Magu's eye. She draws him as a ghost in Pac-Man, which is all right. Nice reference. Uh, and yeah, Magu keeps on like, I'll fucking kill you and vibrating Ruru's desk. And Ruru's like, it's fine. It's fine. As soon as there's a break, Magu crawls out of the desk and starts chasing after Yuika. He's like, ah, ha, 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 ha. Um, then uh, Yuka's like, oh, hey, how about this? We'll play tag. And if you want, if you touch me, you win. Come get me, Jellyhead. And Magu is still pulling himself along. He can't catch her. They race outside. Yuika climbs a tree uh, and is like, ah, I'm way cooler than you. I can run faster. I can do stuff no one else can. I'm brave enough to stand all the way up here. The only reason no one hangs out with me is because they know they can't beat me. They're just a bunch of losers anyway. She's very lonely, I'm, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah. So, Magu starts climbing after Yuika, and Yuika's like, I'm going to reach the top of this tree, and then you look so tiny, I won't even be able to see you. Tree branch breaks under her feet. She starts to fall. She manages to snag onto the branch before it breaks completely, but she's clearly not looking in a good situation because she is easily like 20 or 30 feet off the ground. So Ruru makes the bizarrely logical, calm suggestion, grab onto a lower branch, slowly make your way down. But apparently this just makes Yuiko's competitive drive kick in even further because she's like, no, I have to reach the top first before he does. Well, she can, the she can see him crawling up in that same panel, too. So logic isn't going to reach her. She's she's got too prideful. Yes. So she starts to fall as the branch snaps off in her hand. Magu says, fool, you said I would win if I touched you. And he makes himself into basically a net to uh, trampling her back up. Uh, and she shoots all the way up above the trees and then lands on him again and bounces down harmlessly. And Mug is like, bow and taste your own defeat. Lonely human, you tremble with fear. And of course, instead, Yuika's like, that was so cool. That was awesome. I want to bounce again. So, uh, Magu's got another name in his book of disciples. Hooray. The end. I like this chapter. I, I mentioned on Twitter that uh, I made like sort of the jo- the the Poochie joke where Magu-chan really only works with Magu-chan, and every time he's not there, everyone needs to be asking where Magu-chan is because when it's just him, it works. And this chapter made me laugh, and it was heartwarming in the right way, and I dug it. But anytime you add like any of the other characters in, I find I lose interest pretty quickly. So. 
this chapter was great to me. I, I really legitimately enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. Magu, the should be a god of destruction, being a little guy who can blow something up every once in a while, but still has an ego as massive as his true form, having to deal with various aspects of the real world who, of course, aren't going to treat him that way is just, yeah, it's a great setup that you can have a lot of in- nice interactions with that, you know, because like that's such a bizarre personality for so many different types of characters to bounce off yeah. of and you get nice results like this. I even just love it the very start where he's just riding on her head and he just has his arms raised. Praise me! Yeah, and like she grabs him at one point. She's like, holy shit, I brought Margaret and his arms are still raised in his mind. He's like, praise me! Praise me. <laughs> Yeah, she just, like, unconsciously took him to school, and he's like, I'm here. (laughs) All right. We're going to move on to our new series now. Our Blood Oath. Chapter 1, Blood Oath Brothers. Got major Black Butler vibes off this. Thank God we read Black Butler before this, so I can understand. I was like, ah, so that's what this is. It's... It's very Black Butler, honestly, because it takes you off guard with this, you know, two very pretty boys, one uh, markedly older than the other dynamic. And then, you know, quickly moves you into one of them has fucking demon powers and fights other demons. And the other one is just a normal guy. So there's that same dynamic as well. Uh, The big difference between them, we find out, is that the two boys who have made this blood oath are actually uh, adoptive brothers. Um, I don't even know how much of this I actually want to go through. If we can cut through it, it would be great. There are demons in this world that feed off of blood. Uh, It turns out that our main two characters come from a family of vampires, except that one of them is just a normal human who was adopted into the family of vampires. Uh, They reach the... um, Possibly a side character, but possibly also just the guy they're helping for this one chapter uh, who does have a kind of terrifying home situation when you find out what's going on, which is that uh, all of his family were possessed by vampiric devils at some point uh, a relatively long time ago. It's been like he and now he's basically like in a in a situation where he does isn't looked after at home at all. He's got to make his own meals and stuff like that. Um, and it turns out it's because they were just getting ready to eat him because of the demons inside of them. Fortunately, these, these two boys showed up to help out. I will say one thing overall about this chapter, uh, really big problem with establishing shots. Uh, characters ca- get involved in scenes where you didn't even know they were around before. And the first time you see them is them stepping in to hit something. And you're like, oh, I guess they're there. Mm-hmm. So And not even like, you know, a big dynamic entry page. It's just like, oh, there's a panel of action where they're there. So, okay. Uh, So unlike uh, Black Butler, where, you know, of course, Sebastian, the larger, older one, was the one with demonic powers. It's the kid in, in this one, the little brother between them, who takes on this alternate vampiric form. And uh, he can use blood from his brother's body to feed on and form it into weapons and stuff like that. He goes proper Ruby from Ruby with a scythe and a red cloak and stuff on the devil beasts and kills them. 
and this causes uh, the kid that they're helping his family to be free from their possession. Hooray, he's happy to see them. Uh, older brother carries younger brother off, and uh, they're good to go. And we find out that there was someone who um, basically was responsible for slaughtering their family. And he basically did the whole proper face me when you think you are strong enough thing that a lot of classic villains like to do. And uh, they walk off to their next adventure at the end of this chapter. So can we end it after one chapter? Do we have to give it a three chapter shot? There's little bits here and there that I do think are nice. But overall, it's a very basic premise, and a lot of parts of it are executed kind of clumsily in terms of the way it's directed um, is the only thing I can really think of in terms of like there are parts of the action where the sequential art is confusing in terms of the way it's laid out. So but overall, I would say it at times looks nice, but is generally unexceptional. Uh I will at least read it next week. Yeah, I'm not actually wanting to stop it at chapter one, but this is the one that that made me bored more than anything else. Oh, we lost Nick for a moment. Uh, So while that's happening, I will just note uh, one, this this manga killed cats. So not a fan of it. Dead cats at the beginning. No bueno. Bad series. Those were good ass cats. Didn't deserve to die. Uh, I want the series to be canceled for that reason alone. Uh, two, I'll be honest, fucking Phantom Seer is just a better version of this series right now. So, like, it has a very awkward point at the moment where it's just like, oh, like there's just a superior series to you happening right now. Uh... And then three, I was going to tweet about this on, on Twitter at some point. Uh, so we're going to just drop that for a second. And we'll come back when Nick's internet comes back. No worries, guys. Uh, oops, I had to cover my screen as well now because my video is gone. Uh, so there's that. The third thing is that it's another like supernatural sort of series right now. So like... It's just kind of exhausting at this point for me. Uh, I I almost was going to tweet the other day that I was like, all these like exorcism and supernatural demon fighting series really oddly make the otherwise extremely generic world of uh, of like Black Clover, like a generic fantasy world just feel so fresh in comparison to everything else. Like I've just like legitimately kind of gotten exhausted by all of this so yeah i don't know i don't know what else to say on that it's just kind of bad so there you go that's that uh all right since we're still gonna be waiting on nick for a bit uh i think what we'll do is i guess we could just go into phantom seer uh, because I don't want to start in a We Never Learn. I think Nick has less to say about Phantom Seer than this. So, Phantom Seer, Chapter 3, Name. Uh, I don't know any of the characters' names from this. So, oh wait, no, Riku's the girl, and Doucheface is the guy's name. So, Riku and Doucheface are hanging out, and there's uh, some jokes at the start 
where Riku thinks like, oh, he actually, he's gained his pure heart. So uh, uh, she, she's going to agree to go with him. Uh, and it's just basically like a super creepy house. And there's another guy with him who's basically like, I guess, like an older shaman a little bit. Uh, Yojiro Satake. So he's kind of, I guess, like an intel gatherer for everybody. So he leads him to this house, says like, yeah, there's some stuff going on there. Uh, we got to do that. Uh, it, there's a moment, too, where Doucheface says his sister was like, oh, hey, we need to like just use our like use our first names, essentially, because last names kind of awkward. All right, we're going to try calling in a Nick again. All right, Nick's back. Yep, that was uh, not as bad as I was afraid it was going to be. That's not it bad. Came back on right away. So. All right, well, we'll wait on the video, but I just started up uh, Phantom Seer then. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, I'm not sure how to talk about this one, actually. Um, things happened. Uh, there was another ghost. Uh, it looked kind of cool. Because it was one of those things where it like uh, is a tree with a bunch of faces on it that calls to people. Uh, we learned a little bit more about uh, stuff that uh, um, Iori wants to do. Mm. Um, Iori's sister encouraged Riku to call Iori by his first name uh, because it's better if you don't say the name Katanagi. As it turns out, there are some people who are actually familiar with that family name, so they could be targeted as a result of it. We see a lot of aspects of Riku's personality that I was not expecting after the first two chapters, showing a lot of impatience with Iori's shit, basically, of, you know, trying to keep distance between them and generally being an asshole towards her. Uh, and at the end, when they when he fights the Phantom, he summons Okubi, the uh, creature that he fought in the first chapter, because uh, his he can create a projection a doppelganger of any phantom that he has absorbed in the past so i'm gonna have that in this series presumably uh we also are introduced to uh yeah another seer guy who doesn't actually have all the exorcist powers that iori does he's more of an information broker who you know kind of points iori in terms of what to do uh iori takes out the tree guy and then after that um, Riku tells him, hey, before I didn't get to say this before, but you know, you need to stop lying to me because he had been lying to her about why they were uh, helping out the situation. He made it out like he was doing it out of the goodness of his heart. It turns out he's actually looking for a particular female spirit that can help him out. And uh, so he lied to her about that and all this. And so she says, isn't it better for me to, you know, actually help you find this girl phantom that you're after? You're always protecting me, so I should try and help you in return. Just let me know about, you know, special circumstances. You got that, Iori. And uh, he's like, no, you make it sound like I did something bad. And she's like, you lied to me. It's not wrong. And then, yeah, at the very end of the chapter, we're introduced to presumably some other phantom exorcist guy who kills these eye looking phantom things. And he's got glasses and he is apparently on a crossroads headed towards Iori, whom he hates. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
I, I liked a lot of this chapter. I liked a lot of like the little Riku moments are kind of cute. I like that there's this gimmick of this this monster that is saying yeah, and if you follow a lot of the conversations that are happening while they're in the house, you could see there are moments where there is a character saying yeah that doesn't have anyone actually associated with it. So it is mm-hmm. kind of like a fun gimmick to it. And it is weird because even as like we were talking about it, those moments where like you'd hear one of the two of us be like, yeah, you're like, yeah, I guess it is kind of a word that gets used a lot. So there's just something kind of small to that story, sort of like a tiny ghost story, I guess. And I do like the the gimmick that uh, Ayori can bring out the the monsters that his shadow guy eats. So it's a cool gimmick. There's a lot of He's a Pokemon trainer, ba- yeah. basically. So I think there's a lot of flexibility that he could use with that. And ultimately, this chapter made me more excited for things. Now, granted, hmm. if you don't want to keep reading it, I won't push the issue. But if we added it to the recap, I would not be bothered. I'm very neutral on this series, honestly. It's, you know, it seems like it's done well. Yeah. Uh, you can tell that in terms of like, you know, the artwork is consistent and, you know, stuff stands out. Characters are very easy to tell apart, despite the fact that their appearances aren't all that bizarre, uh, aside from Yori's sister, yeah. because, you know, she's framed that way, you know, um, the way that the ghosts are introduced and, you know, like that you said, you know, like they're these kind of these, you know, ghost stories, basically, as each of them is introduced. And I each of them has kind of struck a nerve of familiarity to me because I'm not very familiar with Japanese ghost stories, but I believe that all of them have been based on you know folklore surrounding them so far. Um, and that's a nice gimmick. It doesn't really excite me. You know, I, this isn't something where it's like, oh, I, w- I want to find out what ha- what goes on with these characters and then this story and stuff like that. But reading it is kind of like, all right, I was all right. So, yeah, no, I understand. If you don't want to, or if the recap's already too packed, no worries. I don't really care either way. All right. Well, we'll we'll hold off on it then. Out of the ongoing series that we have been introduced to in this chunk, this is the best, pretty clearly. Yeah. uh, To me. It's a very different series from the awful one, uh, (laughs) and it just seems to just be a better version than our blood pack. Yeah, exactly. Uh I don't know if it'll necessarily stick around and jump just because I said there's a lot of things that float around that feel like they're in a very similar wheelhouse. But I feel like maybe if it strikes a little bit more of like the horror stuff, maybe it will. But who knows? I think that that is the thing that has the best chance of helping it to set itself apart is how creep is evoking that creepy vibe before dealing with the monster of the week. Mm -hmm. So. All right, Nick, let's talk about We Never Learn. Question 173, a pizza bet equals tomorrow night's Pixie, part five. We get a steamy shot of Asumi. I guess we are the creepy voyeur looking at her in the hot spring from a window or she's wiping off her glasses. I don't really know. It's uh, yeah, you say steamy. It is literally steamy Uh like she's because she's wiping steam off of the glass. Um you know, you look at it and it's like, okay, you know, it's using the steam distortion so that, you know, there's, you know, very convenient censorship in there and stuff like that. But yeah, then you look at it and it's like, she's in a spring 
So why is there a window there? It's not like he's in the shower. <laughs> Through my hot spring window, Nick, they often make those. That's a thing. That's something you can actually order online as a hot spring window. I'm sure you can. <laughs> uh, so we pick up in the flashback from last time about yes. Uega giving the, the Doha-chan uh, tickets to her. And the Sumis just said at the time, thank you. But I can't accept this. You know, I'm, I'm going to be busy at school, so I really appreciate it, but please invite somebody else. So we cut back to Do the present. Do you think that she realized what she was doing? Hmm. I think so. I, 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 I still think that Asumi, despite being the most, like, aggressively sexual in comments, is generally a pretty reserved person when it comes to everything. So I think she's always going to be more worried about, like, oh... It's going to be too busy going to hang up on that. You know, she likes to tease, but that's ultimately kind of she's a little shy beyond that. Mm. Uh, sorry, you were saying something? Well, no, I was thinking it's like. Obviously, we learn at the end of the chapter. Hang on. Damn it. Lost it. I'll get it. <laughs> you can. All right, nature, you can knock out my power, but I'm going to kill this bug. <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm going to get it. So um, without being able to see the video for it, it's so much more terrifying. Who knows what could be happening? So, um, yeah, you didn't see me eat that thing after I killed it last time. So, <laughs> uh, it's taunting me. It's going in front of my screen. So, uh, My point is going to be, obviously, we know at the end of the chapter that there is definitely something that's like long term going on in uh, Asumi's head as to why she has not pursued Yuiga romantically or uh, responded to his advances, however few he's made. Uh, but this does actually kind of seem like the type of thing where you could see it as her not actually registering that he was even asking her out on a date if you didn't know that context. Uh -huh. Because he's just like, oh yeah, I'm going to be busy, so yeah, we, I'm not going to have a chance to go do this with you. And not realizing like you're basically saying no, period, to him. But uh, I just wanted to get you know what you if uh, what you thought about that. So yeah, I, I think she knows that it was an invitation. I think she has some knowledge of that stuff. She's one of the more aware people, I think, of the girls. Uh, so we cut to the present, and Uega is hanging out in a hot spring with a bunch of monkeys. Not a joke. There's actually just a bunch of monkeys that hang out in this island, and they all like to bathe in the hot spring with him. Uh, this yeah, it's not even like they're just you know. You know, swimming around like one of them has like a towel that it wears on its head like a person yeah like <laughs> uh this is apparently a secret spot that no one knows about that was told to uega by the old man who he helped last chapter so he's like relaxing and trying to kind of unwind but he's like trying to relax and he immediately just keeps thinking of the almost kiss that he and ashumi said just earlier and of course he's like god ah, why did i do that why why what's wrong with me uh so he, he's like ah he's just very frustrated with it and he thinks you know what everything really started then when she turned me down for that doa chan date that was when we started to get more and more distant and i don't know i guess maybe i'd just been kind of carried away after seeing her again after all that time so hmm and then he he starts hearing somebody 
and he's, he's taking off his glasses because he's in a hot spring and he's just like, is somebody there? Nobody else should be here. That's what the old man said. He said it's a secret spot. And then it's Asumi. And she's like, what the fuck are you doing there? He's like, oh, I don't, I gotta, I have to go. And he goes to grab his clothes and monkeys have stolen all of his clothes. And I like the one that has his glasses. That monkey seems really happy with life and I'm very all for that. Uh, I think that that's a rule in manga and anime that if there are monkeys near a bathing area, then they will wear the clothes and steal them. Yeah. Like that's a hot spring. If you hole. have monkeys near a hot spring and they don't steal the clothes. And it's like, what the fuck did you bother introducing the monkeys for? <laughs> it's Chekhov's monkey. So, uh, so apparently Asumi didn't come to this place alone. Chekhov's chimp. There, there you go. You go. Uh, there's a bunch of other girls coming. So Asumi very quickly pushes Uega down into the water and, uh, two other girls, including a PE girl are there. And Uega's like, this is like the third time. I think that this has happened in this series. Someone having to go into the water of the wrong bath. Uh-huh. Like <laughs> this happens a lot. Honestly, this has happened so much. I wonder if this is a Susui, like, like a kink. Like, I don't know if this is an actual fetish of, burying someone underneath the water of a hot spring until the situation is less awkward. I mean, this happened in Nisekoi at least once too, and I think more than once. I mean, the exact same thing happened in Fumino's arc where he had to stay underneath the the Kotatsu or whatever. So, I don't know. This feels like a fetish of some kind. I don't know what I was just referring specifically to the bath. Oh, yeah. The bath thing as well. I just mean, in general, someone having to hide while there are other girls present so someone doesn't realize they're there. Uh, It also happened early on with Ogata with, like, the girls' steam room or the shower mm -hmm. or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So. Uh, Basically... Uega is forced to hide underneath the water, even though it's kind of hard. Uh, Asumi kind of like sits on at one point and is just like, look, you have to look this way unless you want to experience social death, which uh, makes a lot of sense because those are his students. So he really doesn't yeah. want to have that situation happen. Uh, everyone's like, well, wait, why are you guys like, I thought I heard a man's voice. And the other girl is just like, no one knows about this place except my family. It's my grandpa's top secret spot. So there you go. P girl just outright is like, hey, uh, so Asumi, what's the deal with you and Uega? And she's like, oh, you fucking, you fucking, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like what, what's going on there? She basically is just like, so what are you cucking and sucking and fucking? And it's like just there's a bunch of she basically words. does like there are there is censorship over the things that she is saying. So we in fact get confirmation that yeah, she been reading smut. So. Yeah, because some of it's kind of like you're able to throw it away. But then there's every night you blank till blank or you blank till morning and blank each other's blank. And I just yes. like Asumi's response, like her facial response that is like, I don't I don't know how to respond to this. <laughs> and she just goes, huh? And so P.E. Girl's like, I said to you, suck. <laughs> uh so her friend's like wow you're being really direct she's like well you told me to ask her straight out so Asumi's like you know we're just senpai and kohai went to the same school and there's like a moment like yuega kind of reaches that oh actually the girl grabs him on his thigh and he he like bursts out he's like bah! like you know getting really worried uh and there's a moment where Asumi sees a squirrel 
and she gets really terrified. Like a squirrel lands on her hand. It's a chipmunk. Yeah. It's very different. <laughs> very, very different. Uh, so she's like, oh, no. And she realizes, like, oh, hey, he probably needs to breathe soon. <laughs> but first, P.E. Girl has to be like, hey, you know, you stopped the kiss at the festival, right? If you really don't love him, then I... And Yuig is like, I can't. Like, I'm just going to drown at this point. So I need to breathe. And Asumi inhales, goes down into the water, and gives him a, a breath of fresh air through a kiss. Oh, how romantic. And then... I th- believe she, like, fills her mouth with air. Yeah. So that she'll actually be breathing oxygen into his mouth as opposed to carbon dioxide. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, that didn't help. That didn't help. Uh, so she rides his book up, back up out of the water, and she says, to answer your question, she whispers something into P.E. Girl's ear. And it's apparently very mature and risque, because she immediately blushes and runs out of the bath saying, I'm not an immature after all. Uh, so they leave the bath, and Asumi just goes back to kind of her, you know, natural personality. She's like, you got to take a bath with Asumi. Luck- what a lucky dude you are. And Yuiga... I nearly died! <laughs> oh, my lungs hurt! He's just like, oh, so back at the pool, was that a kiss? She's like, artificial respiration. I'm a doctor, after all. But then she thinks to herself, I can't say it. And cuts back to when she was studying medicine and the, a file fell out about Uigas. And she's like, I can't tell him how I really feel. And then we cut away to a boat coming onto the island as the driver's like, we barely made it. You see that bright red sunset? That means there's a storm brewing. And the person on the boat is just like, well, I'm not here to sightsee. I'm here to see my daughter and her boyfriend. And Asumi's dad is coming to the island. Bum, bum, bum. So a few things about this uh-huh. conclusion. Uh, let's get to the most, uh, to the most, uh, straight up point uh first he still thinks that they're dating <laughs> it's been eight years <laughs> that's a great point at what point was she like dad no we broke up for you he's like eight years and he hasn't proposed at all that seems mighty strange you don't even <laughs> see each other but you're still dating <laughs> It's weird that you both live in different parts of the country and you have been for years and you're still dating. <laughs> um, the other thing is that, uh, so the obvious point is that uh, this is uh, Yuiga's dad's medical file mm-hmm. because he would have gone to Asumi's father's clinic. Makes sense. He's been around the clinic for years. He's local. So, uh, oh, I, I didn't pick up on that. Established at a point. Yeah, I think it was established at a certain point, maybe that uh, he had been to this clinic before, but I can't be one hundred percent certain. Um, now that assertion I just made could potentially be wrong because I don't think that Yuiga's father has ever been named before this point, uh, which means that this is an interesting uh, choice on when to actually reveal that piece of information, and also seemingly going to be getting into like his diagnosis and treatment and stuff. And so this could get like heavy. And uh, the implication is that because Asumi knows about this stuff, that this is why she hasn't let herself get close to Uiga. And I don't. Can you have an idea of why that would be 
aside from potentially like associative guilt. But I mean, I'm sure we'll get into the explanation for it, but it's going to be kind of weird to see that and explore this whole thing. So. Can you imagine how dark this series would be if Asumi's like, look, I looked at your dad's file. It's an almost 100% chance that you're going to pick up like some degenerative disease that he had and probably die before you're 40. And you're like, so wait a minute. In all the other timelines, that same thing happens to you, Inga, and he just doesn't know. Uh, <laughs> all the timelines, Yuka dies at 31. <laughs> Never knowing. He's just like, this is very sudden. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> Look at how ripped I got. <laughs> it is. Wow. Holy shit. This chapter is a very different context now that I didn't really. I just thought it was like, oh, she sees a file about Yuega and she's reminded of him. And it's some mysterious. Find out it's about Yuega's dad adds a very new context to this chapter. And holy shit, the Asumi arc is so interesting. <laughs> Why? <laughs> like, fuck, man. It really feels like a lot is coming out in this that. Uh, like, it actually is making me kind of go back and think maybe Yuruka's arc isn't the canon arc. Because this one's been fucking interesting and deep. It's been going in some really uh, interesting areas. I mean, like, the one thing that it hasn't had that the other arcs have had has been, you know... The other girls. Uh, check, seeing the other girls, yeah. Um, but I think that that has thus far also allowed it to explore some surprising things based off of just, like, expectation of how the others have gone. And this one taking a very different direction. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm up for whatever the hell comes from this. We're also... Pretty, cl we're over halfway through this arc as well, yeah. so we're we're running short on time. So a, a lot of big stuff I think is going to be happening really soon. Yeah, I think that we're probably past the point now where we have uh, chapters like the you know we're lost in a cave. You know? I think <laughs> yeah, it's time to. I think it's time for the for the little distractions to end and for us to get down to brass tacks on what the hell is going on with these guys. But uh, yeah, uh, I think we established before is like there's some like surprisingly mature things going on uh, in terms of what's keeping their relationship apart. And uh, maybe we'll get like a really full explanation as to what the hell is going on in the next chapter. So, yep. All right. Let us go ahead and move on to Dr. Stone. Time to get stoned. Ba -da -ba -da -ba -da. Oh man, that's such an awful oh, person. <laughs> Shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Z equals Sorry. Know the rules. Make the rules. I'm putting the lemon inside you. <laughs> that, oh, I, I don't know if you have ever heard that misheard lyric. What's up? I'm breaking the lemon inside you. Oh, is that what they said? <laughs> so is that... no, it's like breaking the limit. I I'm think, sure it is, but... but I like that's what people were calling it. Yeah. So. No, I, 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 I chose to stop listening to that song by Will at a long time ago. <laughs> when I stopped when you turned 14. Yeah, I stopped <laughs> consenting to let that song be played in my presence. Z was 165. Know the rules. Make the rules. The dogfight between Stanley and Ryusui and Senku uh, looked like they had Stanley in their sights. Ryusui's gonna just fucking handgun him out of the air, and it was like, okay. But Stanley starts jinking, which the helpful uh, manga artist who has studied military air war uh, 
explains because that's the amount of experience that they have to draw from for explanations in this part of the story, which is to purposely make the flight of the plane go wild so you can't track it to line up a shot. Uh, so advanced, dangerous uh, flying technique, basically. We then get some narration explaining what the hell Matsukaze is doing on the uh, on the uh, runway of the uh, Perseus because while this is going on, uh, he realizes that oh everyone's kind of you know occupied with all the freaking air war and stuff like that, and he realizes that something is kind of potentially going to come at them from below while this is distracting them. But as narration explains, he doesn't know what to expect because of his lack of familiarity with technology. So essentially like he has this feeling uh, because of his unfamiliarity with technology, but because he doesn't have it, he doesn't know what to warn them about. So, and we see that the big thing that uh, Zeno was excited about a few chapters ago was that they've made a submarine. Ooh, and it's an evil looking submarine. Ah! Those blades can't help it maneuver. I'm just telling you. No. <laughs> so, uh, fortunately, Minami manages to sight the submarine before before too long, uh, and uh, but not with enough warning before freaking the torpedoes come out and uh, start hammering one end of the Perseus, and after that, grappling hooks come out and these big guys grapple over. And there's this big guy with a big sword who does a thing. I think he breaks through the hole, I guess. Uh, and yeah, he's like, oh, you know, get on the floor, everyone oh, down. Uh, and even though Magma uh, and a bunch of other fighters come in, the large woman that we saw back at Zeno's base before is there as well. And it seems like, yeah, things don't go well. She quickly beats them down along with the big guy. Uh, who happens to kind of like step over Luna and just go, hey, Luna. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, Luna? <laughs> and uh, they're like, yeah, takeover took all like 10 seconds. Uh, as uh, this, you know, this the large woman walks with Yo and Magma under her arms. She's like, hey, I want, mind if I sing a victory song? And the guy's like, uh, no, don't do not do that. No. So, so I guess all of her singing is like the uh, singing that we heard uh, again get. Yeah. So. Hmm. Uh, Ryusui and, and Senku hatch a plan as to what the hell to do uh, because the, as Senku says this is a science battle and Stanley's trade his speed for all that rocking and rolling so for this brief moment he's going 10 billion percent slower so they've got alright we've got it and so they start flying over his plane instead as Ryusui says here in the new world the rules are made from scratch See, you're thinking this makes no sense. That may be a true according to your familiar rules, but this is, you know, the new rules and stuff. And so, yeah, Senku's like, yeah, the world's first ever dogfight was primitive. It bore on idiocy. Two guys tossing tools at each other. But we're going to make this battle a teeny bit more scientific. And basically, they flash back to how they dealt with the plane the first time, which was to have uh, K Katsuragi, uh, I think, throw, uh, you know, gas at it but they're like yeah we've got another solution this time we cut back down to the perseus where the big guy uh has a machine gun and he's wandering around the halls below deck and that's when we see that uh oh yeah mose is still uh, hanging around and 
we get kind of a repetition of the idea of ignorance of technology because he's like, you know, those me- mechanical gun things. They're your mightiest combat weapons in close combat. According to your rules, we're supposed to tremble in fear and surrender when you point them at us. Too bad. <laughs> he just does like, I don't care. And uh, he knocks the guy out. And we see that uh, he and Matsukaze and Ginro, at the very least, are still hanging around on the ship and uh, can eventually deal with the people who boarded it. And uh, meanwhile, up in the air, Senku is just dumping bottles of acetylene gas that he has whipped up in the cockpit to just drop them onto uh, Stanley as they're flying above him. So there we go. That's the end of the chapter. I like the carpet bombing and like the aerial dogfight stuff, but the submarine felt like a letdown with all the buildup of what it was just to be like, hey, we're going to invade your ship. And it's kind of been talked about like. There's like seven fighters in Senku's entire group. So it's kind of not a huge surprise when they decide to have like a ground to ground invasion that like they're not defenseless, you know, like when they take out, you know, Yo and Magma, you're like, oh, no, if that had been the breadth of all their like defenses. But you're like, there's like five other characters who could fight in this group that aren't in the, the drill team. So. If this had been the Petrification Kingdom arc, then we would have been like, oh, Kohaku is off somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Now what's going to happen? Because all the fighters are somewhere are somewhere else. And, and the only people who have any potential combat experience have been dealt with so easily. But now it's like, they've got Moe's, they've got Matsukaze. Over in with Chrome's group, you've got like three, four other of their top-notch fighters and stuff. So yeah, uh, this is kind of the big thing of like, yeah, we've got all these characters so that there can be combat situations on more fronts, it seems like. And I hope that there's more to Matsukaze's inclusion in this series beyond just like, I needed an extra person to throw into fights. Yeah. So. All right, Nick, let's talk about Mashal real quick. Mashal, Dot Barrett, and the monstrously powerful mage. So last time, Dot Barrett had been revealed to be, I forget the term, an Ira Cruz or something like that. <laughs> something like that and he says die a hundred times and a bunch of explosions go off and when the dust clears everyone's still alive and love realizes oh he missed on purpose and barrett says i don't like picking on girls so get lost before i change my mind and love's like okay thank you very much and she starts like (laughs) running away and finn's very very impressed he's like oh wow that's so cool he defeated the fifth fang on his own you're me and then a giant like stoned face opens up behind him and is about to crunch him so barrett runs in the way and basically like takes the attack himself and i guess the stone thing just dissolves afterwards like it just kind of vanishes so i guess it can't exist for that long uh but basically finn's like no i'm sorry i'm sorry and uh, someone says, I thought I could leave the single liners to you, but I come back to find this. And it's the fourth Fang who kind of oddly Lance is just like, he gave up his petrification spell to face us. So it's like, oh, I guess that plot point's done. Then. <laughs> so you don't have to worry about that again. He has to cast another spell that requires concentration. So he has to give up the first spell. Yeah. Um also loves uh apology for screwing up her part of the plan is just to go oopsies (laughs) very much so uh so this guy's basically like yeah it doesn't matter these guys won't be a challenge anyway uh barrett's like fuck i've really gotten hurt 
I don't know if I can even fight the fourth like this. Uh, Love basically is ecstatic. She's like, oh, yeah, the fourth is only a first year, but he's a true prodigy among us. You know, he even the seconds praised his power. This will finish up. And then he just gets like, we don't really see what it is. He just gets slammed in the stomach and launched across the room. And he's like, what the fuck? And Barrett's like, was that a sword? (laughs) And we still don't know this guy's name. The fourth thing. He's just like, oh. What happened? Who broke my spell? And then did that shit. Fuck. He looks up and he's like, "Oh fuck! What are you doing there, divine visionary Rain Amos?" And it's like, "Ooh, a new character." Uh, this was well, we saw this guy before. So. Well, we know he's been coming. I mean, this is the first time being introduced to him. You know, we know Wahlberg sent someone out to help. We know that somebody came into the like went down the the doorway after them but I don't think we actually have seen this character before at least to my knowledge I might have been wrong a character yeah I might be misremembering as well they they've teased this guy though so we knew this guy yes. was coming uh and fourth thing's just like what the fuck you weren't supposed to be you're supposed to be gone uh this is apparently Adler Dorm's ace, ace. and uh you know, he's just like, oh, shit, he's no res- he's no ordinary student. So uh, Fourth Fang's like, ah, well, let's, let's talk about this. You know, we both got our reasons for everything. And <laughs> he really just blows his load way too soon because he tries to do like a sneak attack immediately. And Ames just fucking destroys it, just shoots a sword up into the air, just cuts the skull straight in half. And he's just like, don't waste my time, trash. And summons a shit ton of swords. And fourth thing, just like, he's supposed to be a student like us, right? And then I, he doesn't actually get murdered by the swords, but you would think he does for how many swords just shoot straight into him. It's okay. Nobody dies in this manga. <laughs> they just get really big boo-boos. <laughs> yeah, he basically gets, like, pinned down by all the swords. And I do love that, like, after the attack, Love's like, guess I'm transferring to Adler. <laughs> like, she's very quickly to jump ships. Uh, I I do like Love's just bizarre behavior and eccentricities and stuff. And I do kind of feel like she has it in her to like, if she does stick around, it's like, yeah, okay. She's just so weird that you don't really mind her switching sides this easily. Yeah, you're like, whatever. It's all good. Uh, Fourth Fang starts begging, basically. He's like, you don't understand. I didn't have a choice. Forgive me. I I regret what I said. And Ames just, I guess, just stomps his face down and just beats him uh he kicks him in the stomach yeah he just from a- oh yeah he just crunches him yeah just kicks him it, it did take me a while because i was like did he hit plant his foot in him so hard that he pierced through <laughs> his body oh no no he's lifting him with the kick yeah. okay and he just starts going off on him he's like you regret it the most important thing in this world is actions not word and i don't trust the word of a scum like you your type only learns through pain it must be excruciating enough to ensure that you never make the same mistake twice Barrett's like, sit. He's in our dorm, right? So he's a friend, right? Uh, Ames turns to them and just says, get out of here. I'll drag the details out of this one. So Barrett's like, all right, well, okay. But he's thinking, hey, what brings the missionary here? And this is like maybe my favorite panel this week of Finn saying, brother. And it's not a separate panel. It's the same panel of Barrett being like, what? <laughs> like, I love that it doesn't take what? your eye away from it at all. You find out this is Finn's brother, and he's just like, what? 
<laughs> so if you treat like each panel as, as happening like at the same time, it's like brother what <laughs> yeah it's it's the perfect timing it it makes such a difference that it's the exact same panel so yeah this is a pretty big deal i i was at yeah. first disappointed when i started reading the chapter i was like oh so i guess finn's not really gonna play a part in any of this and it makes sense i mean you find out it's by design yeah like uh, we had just found out something crazy about uh uh Lance, we had just found out something crazy about Barrett. It would be weird if it was like Finn's also a super powerful magician, but it's like no, his brother is somebody very important, though. So we have our Marufuji brothers. We've got Sho and Kaiser mm-hmm. now. So to make the uh, GX comparison, so yeah. So uh, Aim starts heading around, saying the geezer said Z- at Innocent Zero's agents are here. No doubt they're concealing their power to hide. And that's not I'm who's innocent zero. I assume that's a character's name. And it really does remind me that I need to put together that uh, Mashal name generator. <laughs> <laughs> and then Amos turns and he says, but where? And he sees an enormous like energy reading and it's Mash walking down the hallway saying, get nutrition, get nutrition as he just chows down on cream puffs which puts into a question does mash know at all about nutrition (laughs) because cream puffs are almost nothing but sugar there's almost no nutritional value in them (laughs) so uh he's just like that's not magic but that immense pressure matches need to hurry and amos stops and says i'm short on time so i'll make it this investigation quick and it's like match me like huh like that's the end of the chapter <laughs> just him like Whoa. um i had a reaction very similar to you when i read this you know at first like oh i guess finn's just gonna stay useless um but then we get the reveal about this and i'm like oh okay and i do appreciate that um, you've kind of been primed by Mashal to just accept the odd kind of hairstyles because mm-hmm. they're not like, you know, like general shonen anime weird. Uh, there's not a whole bunch of like all the patterns of the rainbow uh, kind of thing going on in it. But there are still some weird hairstyles. So then when you see someone with two toned hair, you don't immediately realize, oh, well, Finn's also got two toned hair. But then you look at them and like. Oh, yeah, of course. Right. The two brothers have similar hair. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it's nice to know that we've got this group of Mash's core who's got this way stronger brother. And that kind of influence can lead to good de- character development in terms of, you know, the shadow that has been cast on him and all sorts of other stuff. So that might have to do with, you know, the way that we found Finn at the beginning of the series where he was this guy who just kind of coward and stuck to his place and did other people's bidding in order to get by because he didn't live up to that potential that his brother had yeah. so um it's gonna, I'm, I'm excited to see where where a lot of these characters go and this definitely made me much more interested in seeing what finn could do as opposed to just him being the regular and the scaredy cat of the group yeah so. i liked it i also i really just enjoyed the fact that there was some really good comedy in the chapter, too. There was some, like, really fun mm-hmm. moments. And also, there's just part of me that enjoys that the fourth Fang was nope. Like, he was somebody important, but he got beat so effectively, we never learned his name. So, I enjoy that. Yep. 
And also, it looks like they're getting another friend because Love is just like, I'm joining the Anthers! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ayakashi Triangle, Chapter 12, Garaku Tagawa. <laughs> that is the name. So uh, we see an artist-looking guy kind of interviewing uh, a kappa. Uh, in fact, this Kappa is one of Suzu's old friends that she would hang out, one of the many harmless little Ayakashi that Matsuri uh, encouraged her to stay away from uh, so he could protect her better. And uh, the he tells her, uh, he tells the artist about uh, the two kids a bit, and then he asks, hey, by the way, who, who, who are you anyway? And the artist says, oh, I'm just a traveler. I'm a wandering artist. And he drops a sketch that he's done of the Kappa down. He's like, here. Take this as a token of our friendship. And it's this very detailed, shadowed uh, drawing that emphasizes all of the wrinkles and stuff in the Kappa's face. So the Kappa's just like, it's so realistic, it's creepy. It just tears <laughs> it apart immediately. <laughs> I do like Head over to the school. Ninokuru, the scary-looking, weirdo, other exorcist that has come up a few times in the series already, but I don't think we've actually talked about him before, uh, comes to talk about Tomatsuri. And the last time we saw him uh, was he went to talk with Suzu at her family's restaurant to get some insight into what the hell was going on between her and Matsuri. And... I didn't seem to process this when that chapter happened, but he says to Matsuri now, I'm in love with her. So, okay, that's going on now. All right. Um, so Matsuri's like, of, are you serious? And then Nino Kuru is like, I just, you know, she's an important person in your life. And so I thought that you should know that I'm, I'm, in, I'm doing that. And Matsuri gives the whole as it's not like we're romantically interested duh, 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 you know that whole thing mm. so Neoku is like alright um, I'm not going to pry into how your relationship is but it sounds like you've got no problem with it much he's like no so they go to talk to Suzu and uh, Matsu's like yeah this guy's got something to say to you and he's like oh hey what's up and he's just like uh, 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 I'll just I'll just say like I'm going to stand alongside Kazumaki and protect you. Oh, oh, I'm going to protect Kazumaki. And he gets his words all tangled up. And so Matsuri's like, what are you, what, what's going on? What, what are you doing? And Nunoku realizes his, his mistake. And he's like, oh, you know, because my colleague, bye. Ninja vanishes. And so immediately Suda's like, he was declaring himself my love rifle. These stupid fucking kids. It, it really is her. Like, I, I kind of enjoy that Matsuri really does not. Like, I know he's in denial because he's just like, no, ninja honor before everything else. But really, it's just like, look, if you want to go for it, go for it. Whatever. But she is so fucking thirsty that she's like every character who gets around Matsuri is immediately. She's just like rival must eliminate rival. So there's this wonderful series that I finished watching a couple weeks ago called My My Next Life as a Villainess, All Roots Lead to Doom, which is an isekai series with the premise being that a girl gets zapped into an Otoma game, basically. But it's actually really good. It, there's a lot of good comedy in it, and there are a lot of really heartfelt moments as well. 
Uh, I, I strongly recommend it if you are able to get through the the premise and you're like, Isekai, I can, I can take that, you know. Um, but a big aspect of the story is that the main character, Katarina, in order to avoid the fact that she is she is in the body of the villain of the game. Basically she decides that she needs to avoid all potential uh, routes that lead to her death as part of the story that she's familiar with. And so she's like, I need to make sure that like all the people that I piss off, I don't piss off. And so starting from when she's a little kid, she you know meets them all as little kids and stuff and makes friends with all of them. And so as a result of that, it's not, purely i've made friends with them so they won't hurt me it's uh you know they make genuine friendships and stuff like that but as a result of this all those people that she has become friends with they are all in love with her all of them male female all of them and she does not get it she does not comprehend that all these people want to stay with her for the rest of time as lovers. She's just like, we're good friends. And so they won't kill me basically. And that's what it kind of feels like with Suzu in a way, which is just like, look, if you are fucking in love with this, with this dude, just fucking get over it. Just get get over the whole like, Oh, but we're both girls. Like, come on, you've got to, it is 2020 in this series. You know what gay people are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ugh, it's it's one of those things where it's like it's it's that level of like I know you are in love with with him. Get over the fact that he's tempts a girl and just fuck him or or kiss him something. Come on, but it's a shonen romance, so that's not going to happen. Basically. Nah. So. Uh, artist dude shows up at the school. He's being given a tour by some of the teachers, including muscle PE coach dude or whatever the hell his, his job is. He's flexing in the background. Uh, and, uh, so he's like, oh yeah, he's, he's like a famous artist basically. So they're like, oh yeah, of course we'll give you a tour and everything like that. And he's like, oh, I, I wanted, you know, to have like a, a, a subject of some sort. Can I interact with some of your students? You know, how about those two? And he happens to point to Matsuri and Suzu. And uh, one of the was like, oh, Kazumaki. And uh, Utagawa was like, is she famous? Well, not really. Uh, but I'm indebted to her grandfather. So potential little strand to explore backstory there. I Something guess. to and, figure out. Well, and, and presumably also the way that they got uh, Matsuri into the school, despite the fact that well, female Matsuri Kazumaki didn't exist until this moment. They, so. they did explain that at the start when she first goes okay. to school. So they mentioned like she got in by pulling strings with the headmaster. So it feels like it might be potentially just a callback to that explanation. But mm. there, there might be something more to it. I mean, the 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 whatever principal of the school whatever you would call it headmaster does seem to have a unique enough ex- design that i imagine they're intended to be used more than just this mm. she does have a, a fair number of lines and is actually in focus uh in a lot of the shots she's oh. in so uh Matsuri immediately realizes that um this artist despite looking human is actually an ayakashi and suzu recognizes this as well of course so uh they're trying to figure out what the hell is this? Why does this guy feel this way, but look this way and so on. Uh, 
they go into uh, Matsuri and Suzu's class. Suzu's friends are there. Uh, Lou gives a breakdown as to who Utagawa is. Uh, he's this eccentric traveling artist. And uh, her father's a big fan of his. Um, so they're walking down the halls after going into the class. And Susie just like does the thing that you would never expect a character like her to do who seems to not want to do anything. I guess that's actually probably it. She'll do anything directly except when it involves Matsuri. Then she just like pussyfoots around, you know, Mm. she's like, you're an Ayakashi. Why do you look like a human? That's (laughs) that's just it. And Utagawa is like, I mean, this is my this isn't even my final form. Doesn't that pique your interest as an Ayakashi medium? And Matsuri's immediately like, you're here for Suzu! And takes a combat stance. So uh, Utagawa does a quick drawing of this combat pose that Matsuri does. Because, oh, protecting your your princess. Aha, I'm going to draw that. Uh, and then Utagawa's like, ah, oh, but what a tragedy having the gender swap awakened cast on you. Shirogane can be so mean. Uh, and then he took like a combat role, I think, to draw this. And he winds up in just this very casual lying down stance. Uh, he realized that Shirogane is not there. Shirogane, we get a brief little bubble to explain that. Yeah, he doesn't like this guy. So he just, he's just like, peaced out. I do kind of like that other fucking uh, Ayakashis are just like, this guy's kind of annoying. I really don't want to be around him anymore. <laughs> No one likes this guy. No. The Kappos is so, yeah. Um, Urugawa says, it's a shame that he that he hates me, even though I accept him as king. And it's a problem for me if he doesn't remain on the throne. And that's why, sorry, Matsuri, I must ask you to hand over the god ceiling scroll. I got so worried when he pulled that out because I didn't realize it was a brush holder. It's not anything else. I really, I got so worried that it was going to be something else. It's okay, Chris. Ayakashi Shangle's way classier than that. It wouldn't go so far as to have a dildo reference in there. Uh-uh. This is a mature series for intellectuals. So... Um... Brush comes out, he draws something on the floor in an instant. It is an octopus, like a very classic Japanese drawn octopus, too. And he casts Art Reflects Reality Jutsu, and immediately the octopus starts to emerge from the floor. Tentacles come out, they do tentacle things to, to Matsuri. Uh, they're, they're, looking, they're looking for the scroll. That's, that's, all. that's what they're doing. They're looking for the scroll. That's all. But who should help out Matsuri right when it looks like he has uh, got something that he can't deal with? When Nino Kuro comes in, chops up some tentacles, and is here to join the fray. And, uh, yeah. So, that's that's where we leave off. Combat breaking out. So. Yep. Uh, boy. Whew. Alright. That's, uh, getting real risque here. But, hey. You know what? Um... No, I really don't know what I was trying to go with there. I guess I enjoy that there's a moment... <laughs> That they try to explain why the tentacle monster is tentacle wrapping up uh, the character to female body. Because it's like, like, don't be perverted. I'm just stripping this young girl in order to find the scroll she's got. (laughs) Yeah, I I do like the notion of like, no, no, I'm not like a weirdo. You know, I I gotta search for the scroll. Now, us, the audience, we 
unintentionally become the weirdos because we don't have that justification. So it's like, uh, but yeah, this reminds me of like, you imagine like if you're embarrassed by this, someone comes in and says, he's looking for a skull, someone on the body. <laughs> I legitimately almost had that moment. Cause I have to read this series on the computer. And I generally, when I'm at home, read everything on my phone. So I was at work reading this chapter and, you know, I work at a store. I'm not too concerned most times, but there was definitely a but like the moment I saw the first shot, which is like the underneath, like, quote unquote, panty shot. I was like, uh, 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 and I had to like really kind of quickly try to graze through to be like, let me try to digest this as quickly as possible to not ask questions. Because if someone comes around, if I scream, no, he's searching for a magic scroll. It's not creepy. It's not weird. You're the weirdo. How old is that girl? Well, it's actually a boy. <laughs> that's that's the best way to start. That's actually a boy. <laughs> Man, anime are weirder and weirder these days. <laughs> it's manga. <laughs> All right, Nick. Uh, let's uh, let's pick up on Black Clover. Then page two sixty four. Stirrings of the strongest. Uh, Nature Boy Ric Flair is there, and he says, well, "My magic will be able to infiltrate the castle unnoticed. And then we'll storm the Dark Triad and take them out separately." And he goes over all the details of the Dark Triad, uh, specifically including Dante, which is interesting for two notes. One, one uh, person did say to me, "They're like, hey, this confirms that his actual magic is body magic, completing the whole body thing before." And to that, I will say, "Yes, I was able to figure that out back when it happened." Uh, because, because I had mentioned before, I was like, everybody has like a body part kind of magic. Oh, except for Dante. He has gravity magic and laughed about the time, but that's his demon magic. He actually has body magic. So it fits the theme, but two, and the more important thing, I, I really thought they killed Dante. Like I really thought they had kind of established they killed him and they were just taking his body back. But this seems, oh, I, I, I figured that they were saving his ass. Yeah. This seems to apply and confirm that he is still alive. So there is that, uh, basically he's like, Hey, my magic won't let me take a whole bunch of people along, so we need to take the people who have the greatest chance of winning. So, did they ever name Xenon before? Yeah, Xenon's been named. I don't think well, that I, I actually processed that when he was named, but prior to this chapter, because this means that I've got to like go and rewatch all three Xenon Disney Channel movies so that I can have a whole set of references to make whenever he comes up in the manga again. There you go. Because all right. His name is literally Xenon. So I'll, I'll be waiting for it. I have no idea what you're talking about, but I'll appreciate them nonetheless. Uh, the great hero. Chris, you never saw Xenon or Xenon the Zequel or Xenon 3, the one where they go to the moon and it looks like shit. <laughs> so is the second one actually called the Zequel? Yes. Okay. So is the third one actually called they go to the moon and it looks like shit? <laughs> No, Aww, damn. I think it's just like, called Xenon 3 <laughs> in the subtitle. Dang. Uh, no, I have not seen those. I'm not as honestly sure what that is. Is that uh, part of the Recess franchise? Um. So the great hero, Jack the Ripper, says... Uh, Raven Spoons, though. She's got a small role. Uh, yeah. Uh, the great hero, Jack the Ripper, says, obviously, you're going to choose among from us captains. But you know interrupts and says, let me go, please. I know it's insolent of me to ask, but I'm begging you. Uh, and, everyone, and we're reminded basically in the rest of the chapter, oh, right, Yuno became a much better character earlier this yes, year. Yes, like the other captains are like, hey, look, we understand it, but we need to have people here. And Nature Boy Ric Flair is just like, look, you know what? There are resistance forces in the Space Kingdom that oppose the Dark Triad. The other day, one of their members came to the Clover Kingdom in secret. And I, I believe he's at your place right now. So who exactly are you? And Yuno has to just come out and be like, hey, uh, I've been told that I'm a Spade Kingdom Prince. Uh, and everybody's really shocked. 
And now there's like a concern. Hey, maybe this guy is hosting a spy. Maybe he is a spy. And, you know, just says, look, if I'm not the one to save him, then there's no point. It's not just me. But ever since the elf incident, all of you have been suspicious of the captain. And, and look, I can't blame you for that. He wasn't able to choose a side there and it caused a lot of problems. But that's exactly that why that even though he's hurting right now, he's constantly fighting more earnestly than everyone else. He's doing it for us. And he got captured because he was protecting as many members of the Golden Dawn as possible. And, you know, we get a flashback to his fight with Xenon, where Xenon's like, you should get rid of your baggage and concentrate on the fight, but you won't. And because of that, you will lose. And William Vantage has some line that says, uh, how could I abandon them? I made them walk a path of thorns. So, you know, even so they didn't curse me, they got back on their feet and forged ahead. You know, the members of the Golden Dawn are my pride and my dream. So, you know, you know, comes back. He's like, he protected us. And to you, he might be a traitor who once turned his back on his kingdom. But to us, he is the kindest, most reliable captain everywhere. So we're not done yet. We are coming after him. We, the Golden Dawn, are the Clover Kingdom's strongest brigade. And there's like a spiraling magic swirling around him. And he says, I will be the one to save Captain Vengeance. And the great hero, Jack the Ripper, is like, hey, why don't you shut up? And Self's just like, would you be quiet already? I'm storing up mana over here so we could take that bony jerk down. And she has a pretty intimidating glare on her face. And uh, Nature Boy Ric Flair is like, all right, looks like he has a chance. So basically, they kind of seem to indicate that's going to be what happens, that you know will at least go along. We really don't address too much more than that. But there is a moment where Nature Boy Ric Flair is like, oh, yeah. Uh, anyway, the Dark Triad left the castle since all of them were there. We can't actually have the Heart Kingdom help us because Vanica probably attacked them, too. So we cut over to Noelle, who is waking up, and she's surrounded by Leashed and the other elves. Interesting. Yep. So uh, it seems as though this is probably going to be Noel's call to action uh-huh. now that we've gotten Yunos and we've gotten Astas. And I do appreciate that the three characters who at the beginning of the series seemed like they were going to be the core cast and then that didn't really happen, uh, have all been set up with this rival that they are going to individually be focused on in this big fight. And you have seen why each of them are so into wanting to defeat that foe because each of them had someone close to them taken from them uh, and close to them in different ways as well. Uh, obviously, you know, Mast and Yuno had the captains, but they had very different relationships with their captains. And then Noelle had the the girl that was so important to her because they spent a few chapters together and then there was a time skip where they also were together, presumably. Uh, that's probably the weakest one, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it, it was occurring to me as uh, we were kind of going, you were going through the chapter because uh, it's been known for a little while that the Black Clover anime is coming to an end like it's supposedly in its final season right now. Um, I don't know exactly when it is going to come to a conclusion, but it's kind of a shame that the anime is reaching a point where it's ending when the manga is at its is, best. Yeah, like it's, it's so um, and I think back to, you know, like when like when Bleach ended uh, before the anime ended, and it's like, you know, by the time the Bleach anime ended, we were in 
a, a good portion into the Blood War arc, and I think it might have been around the time that it had stopped being good. So uh, it's, yeah, it's it's crazy. It's like, okay, yeah, we came off of that whole Elf War thing, but it's not like the series sold poorly or anything like that. And now it's like, no. hey, yeah, the anime's gone now. Right when we're at the point where we're more excited about this series than we have ever been before, because we think that it's actually had good build for once. So, yeah, I, I really like this chapter made me really like, you know, and made me take a new perspective to William Vanchett's that made me appreciate him more. I really like his speech where he's like, look, you have to bring me along because it means nothing if I'm not the one that saves him, because <laughs> all of this context, it really has turned a full corner where I'm like. You know, it's cool. Like normally when Sylph did her thing, I'd have been like, fuck it, Sylph, shut up. But because I liked, you know, so much, I was like, fuck yeah, you go, Sylph. Tell Jack the Ripper to fuck off. <laughs> All right. Yeah, let's. Uh, yeah, let's do this. Let's wrap up one piece. One piece. Oh, I forgot. Oh, I didn't even have the other ones for the other series. All right. Well, at least I could be here with all my friends. Nine hundred ninety. Da da one. One piece. <laughs> Stuff happens. A lot um, happens. There are characters on the first page that I am not familiar with. They're talking about how Kyoshiro is definitely dead, y'all. Um, there's a guy who looks like a fish man swinging it's, Sake, it's and I don't Sasaki. know. He He's a member of the Flying Six. Okay, Remember, cool. he got, he got, he saw Kyo Kyoshiro, thought he was a friend, and ended up just getting like tied up to a post. It happened. It, anyway. <laughs> anyway, so uh, then uh, we see that the fight on the roof or wherever between uh, Kaido's forces. And uh, all of the, the, you know, the Sulongs. minks and stuff like that are, has been involved. Uh, Jack has taken his mammoth form and is knocking a whole ton of them aside in big waves. Kinemon glares down Jack and is getting ready to uh, draw his sword. But Cat Viper and Dogstorm say, wait, this one's ours. And they start to take on their monstrous forms. As they look up at the moon, we don't get a full shot of what they look like yet. However, nope. as they bound in action, we cut over to the dome where, you know, queen and king are, you know, reacting after having kind of cut off uh, the Luffy and Zoro from getting up to the roof. They talk for a bit um, and uh, queen just like, what the fuck? Babanuki told me there were no problems <laughs> that chapter months ago. Uh, King contacts the Toby Rappo, uh, -huh. uh, X Viper and Baz, ba Basil Hawkins and X Drake. X Drake. What, what did I say? X Viper, X which Fucking sounds like a, like a Pokemon like He's thing. A very important character. Chris, he is okay? a very important character. Uh, so anyway, he's a King supernova. I know he he gets in contact with all the Tabirapo and says like, "Hey, situation's changed. There's like five thousand intruders amongst our feast of thirty thousand. This is a huge disaster. Our power struggle is on hold right now. Capturing Master Yamato will no longer earn you the right to challenge one of the lead performers." And immediately, <laughs> fucking the siblings question mark yeah are like what the fuck. <laughs> so and and anyway, Yamato, you know is. There were to be found for them anyhow. Uh, 
King gets their attention after they argue for a bit and says, Kaido's on the roof. The enemy's ascending the castle. Stop them. Don't underestimate them. Good luck. And then uh, we have... Who's who? Who's who? Who is who? Who's who? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He says, hey, Drake, now's the chance. While everything's chaotic, come with me. It's too much for me alone. Next Drake's like, where are you going? And who's who says, to kill the man I want to kill. We're going to Queen. And x is like, oh, f- look, you really want to lower our strength now? Come on. Uh, so they start to head off. Uh-huh. Cover to the performance floor where the straw hats are engaging with a bunch of people. Uh, the, Of course, we also know that Hyogro's forces are involved with everyone. So we, there's a whole bunch of stuff that we see built brief snips of the combat with. And uh, then there is a big oars sized guy who is staring down all the straw hats. There's a few samurai who are like, hey, we'll carve over a path to the castle for you guys. And then the giant just swings his mace and looks like he's going to crush them until Zoro cuts it in half and they're fine. <laughs> oh, it's so cool. Yeah. So Luffy just tells the, you know, the, the little goobers on the ground, like, hey, that thing's a monster. So don't push yourself. Uh Jim Bay protects people from the club falling on them by punching it because, you know, yeah. Luffy says, if that guy's like oars, we once teamed up like this and just barely beat one of them before. But that was a long time ago. Things are different now. And he takes his gear for uh, muscly form. What is it? Bounce, this isn't bounce man, I believe. No, this is his muscle form. I, Kong, I think. I think it's called bounce man. I might be I might be wrong, but I I mean I I haven't paid super close yeah, attention. Okay, I was gonna say I don't I haven't paid super close attention. I didn't realize there were different forms till someone brought it up to me, back when Snake Man was introduced. But uh, so he goes charging in towards the giants, and he starts to do a gum gum attack. But we've got more important things to deal with because X Drake has run into some trouble. Chris, oh no, not X Drake. <laughs> he is bleeding and you know, frustrated on the ground. He's like, what the hell's going on? And Queen's like, that's what I want to know, Drake. Why don't you ask yourself? And who's who says, back of the flower capital, you let Trafalgar Law escape. We had someone watching. Alex is like, yeah, I figured it could be anyone but you. But what is your purpose? And x says, now I know who you wanted to kill. And for all of you who cared as little as me when you were reading this, Queen is like, it was you. He's the one you want. You're the one you want to kill. So. Uh, then they're like, "Who are you? What are you up to? Is is it just you? Is there a group?" And Extrick says, "You'll have to kill me before I speak." But he realizes, like, this is it. I can't talk my way out of this situation. So Queen's like, "All right. I mean, I can torture you, you know, if you want to." <laughs> but there's an explosion, and uh, Extrick gets away. I guess. Yeah, and the explosion happens and he uses that opportunity to just kind of leap off of the area he was in. So who's who shouts out a warning to everyone. X-Drake is like, what should I do? Where do I run? Is there any way back to the Navy? No. That comes later. I still have hope. Uh, Then he calls down to Juki. I don't know. And does his Excalibur, and he attacks one of the giants just as Luffy is using his Kong gun to punch another. And so they all, they take them down simultaneously. 
And so Extra thinks to himself about what Sabo told him. Luffy's amazing. Uh, and so Kobe, he's he's a secret Marine. Right. I don't know. <laughs> Cody. So Drake says, Luffy, for reasons I cannot say now, I am an army of one. Let me fight on your side. And Luffy's just like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Drake's character, X-Drake. Everyone loves X-Drake. <laughs> Drake's the best. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, so yeah, I totally get it why some people would be like, I don't get why this is a big deal. I've always had this part of me. It's like the supernovas are all supposed to be super cool and interesting. That's why they all got like cool introductions. And Drake has been one that's kind of been given some pretty consistent focus, like during time skips and things like that. We do know quite a little bit about him. So I was kind of expecting something like this to happen at some point because I was like, he's a member of the Flying Six, but he's definitely not on their side. So there is a little detail that when he's in the room with Basil Hawkins, Basil's doing like his fortune telling. He's like, mm, looks like there's only like a a 1% chance of a certain man surviving till tomorrow. And extra, you know, Drake's like, sucks to be him. And clearly, <laughs> clearly, he like Hawkins is talking about him. Now, I do wonder what this means for a couple different things. I wonder what this means for Hawkins' allegiance, because I was kind of hoping that that scene with Law before kind of indicated that Hawkins might turn as well. Um, I also have to admit that when Who's Who said, oh, there's someone I have to kill, I was like, ooh, there's a lot of detail about Who's Who. Uh, he's wearing a mask. He could be, <laughs> he could be Jin. <laughs> I really had that moment where I'm such a fucking sip for Jim return for Jin returning from fucking the Barati arc. Uh, but I think we found out details that now confirm it's not him. So I, I, I think this is a cool element. It's very big. Like, I mean, like there's a lot of things kind of going on and now there are four supernovas now fighting against Kaido in this. So it'd be kind of interesting to see if like, four or five of them are kind of all together to take down Kaido. That'd be a pretty cool detail, but yeah. As someone who didn't read the introduction of the supernovas very closely, uh, and as someone who thinks that there is too much going on in this arc as <laughs> Oh is, yeah, this is a hell chapter. I read this chapter and was just like, who cares? <laughs> I don't fucking care that this one guy switched sides. <laughs> This is only a detail like that like One Piece nerds are really going to enjoy it, and then for everyone else, they're just like, just fight! Fight! This is why. This is like, you know, I'm, this, I know that sometimes you get annoyed when we, when we cover My Hero Academia, and I'm like the one who's like the big My Hero Academia guy, like, yeah, this is why this is good, and you're just like, oh, okay. This was me oh, going yeah. well beyond that level, and just being like, fuck it! Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> and you're very right to feel that way. There is quite a lot going on. So this is why the two of us together need to cover all this yeah. stuff. So. All right. Um, yeah, that that's the manga for the week. Favorite series and MVP. Let's get through this because we've been going for a while, partially because we got interrupted. So, uh, so uh, I will say my character of the week is going to be, you know, from Black Clover. That's 100 percent. He had a cool uh, speech. Yeah. So, yeah, I, get, I think it was yeah. great. And it really it was kind of I think I'm inclined to agree with you because there were individual cool things that people did uh, besides X Drake. He didn't do anything cool. Um, <laughs> but uh, I that I really like um, 
that speech because it's like, hey, that's a big reminder after he's been out of the spotlight while we're we've been dealing with Vivica and and Dante and stuff like that to remind you like, oh, right. All that stuff happened to him and he is now having to deal with and grow from it. And it makes him way more interesting to have suddenly all those facets of his character that we were introduced to early on in this arc. And it's like, oh, yeah, right, right. And I care more about what he's got going on going into this than either of the other two of the trio of characters that are in his position. So, yeah, uh, I guess for my chapter of the week, I'm going to go with the one that really left the biggest impact on me, uh, which is high school family. Uh, I really just chapters that involve the apocalypse book are the best. They really just enriched my life. I love the twist with Billy at the end. So I'm giving it to high school family. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, I'm giving it to high school family. I, you know, I talked about high school family. Remember, I gave those two minutes talking about how great the chapter of high you school family. You need to understand is. that it's someone who doesn't read Undead Unlock. No, no, right? it's not Undead Unlock. It's high school family. Ninja, put it in there. <laughs> Ninja, if you do that, I'm going to be very angry. Put down on Dead Unlock because that's what he's saying is the chapter of the week. <laughs> I said it during the high school fan. Unde- Undead Unlock. Undead Unlock isn't part of the recap, though, so I couldn't possibly give it that time. I don't care if you're like, I'll put a comment or a note in on this. If you mention high school family as being anyone's chapter of the week, I'm going to make sure that the roads run red, okay? <laughs> He hasn't finished it. He's nervous. I was I was looking at people's comments under actual high school family to wonder if anyone here actually had positive feedback to them. And seeing that there was made me have less faith in humanity. I don't care if it was only like two or three comments going, this guy's funny. Fuck all of you. <laughs> What's your chapter of the week? It's uh, it's uh, we never learn. All right, there we go. Uh, it's really nice. Um, there was some nice humor in it, uh, and there was a lot of uh stuff that really got me excited to see where the hell the story goes. So, all right, <laughs> I'll just note, uh, kaiju number eight, one chapter of the week from our audience, and Yuka or Yuika, whatever her name was from Magu Chan, God of Destruction, was the character of the week. She was, she was kind of too annoying for me to consider her a character. That we, no, that is fair. I was very much sympathizing with Magu in that situation. Yes, kill her! <laughs> uh, that's going to do right, it. Yeah, that's going to do it. Thank you everyone for joining us for Week of Magu Recap. We record the show here on twitch.tv slash OT. Wednesdays usually around 7.30, 8pm Eastern Time. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter to so you know exactly when we're going to start the show. Weekly Mug Recap is the Twitter account. Your hosts are at Rolot at Nick F Time. If you want to, I got it. Okay. Last uh... <laughs> well, like five minutes, of this podcast have really fallen apart. Uh. Anyway, where was I? Thank you, x 3 i for that spreadsheet. Thank you, uh, it's, uh, Infamous Planet. I'm holding a bug in my hand right now. Very distracted. Thank you, Miss Planet, for making the framework for the mm-hmm. for the uh, stream. Uh, and uh, just fucking who else? Uh, Steve Mann, target artist, boobs, uh, and Winslow Cheddar, and uh, oh gosh, Milo Jack Stillitz for the yes. opening theme of uh, Week Monger Recap.
And uh, by the way, make sure to check in next week where we're going to have Techie 101 on to talk about uh, Burn the Witch and everything else. That's going to do it. I'll note right now, it still says High School Family on mine, so I think this is honestly a moment where Ninja was very excited. He got to use like the initial thing that he had set up for High School Family, because that shit wasn't going to get used otherwise. No one was dropping that into the chapter of the week or character of the week. Why do you do this to me? <laughs> I don't know. I'm a bad person. <laughs> I'm an agent of chaos. <laughs> chaos is the ladder, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs>